why do I love this story that I just shared <laughs> yeah. with you? I, you gotta, you, you've got to analyze me and tell me what is it about the story that just is very mm. satisfying for some reason. Well, you know, like the great Mike Salk once told me, I'm not ESPN material. Nor, oh. nor are you ESPN material. Mike Salk got into the episode so, yeah. <laughs> like before well, we even mentioned our me own finish. names. Mike Salk is in. Neither of us are ESPN material. Yeah, I was almost one day. Well, they're not banging down our doors these days. No. So whenever something happens to like, you know, like the big corporation, like I mean, they, they are the they're the mothership of sports. You love it. You love when something. I don't know what it, this goes back. And, and and I love ESPN just like the next guy. Right. But we all do. But there's something about ESPN getting fooled. Yeah. That was the headline. ESPN gets fooled. I'll just read it to you. While this is the goof ESPN will be thinking about for some time, in the midst of the college football and NFL ramping up, it's also time for good old-fashioned high school football. You played high school football. Sure. For the last few days, ESPN has been airing seven high school football games as part of their Geico ESPN high school kickoff. That sounds cool. With the last game of the weekend slated to be high school powerhouse IMG Academy, okay. their second game of the season. IMG's opponent, a small school named Bishop Sycamore. I can't even. <laughs> an online charter school from Ohio. And if that school doesn't ring any bells, you're not alone. <laughs> And yet Bishop Sycamore played IMG Academy, likely the number one high school team in the country, and they were, on, on ESPN's main channel <laughs> on Sunday. And they were good the year before IMG. I mean, that's a good program, right? They this were the IMG. national champs the year before. Okay, okay. Oh, it's the program. <laughs> okay, gotcha. And they were destroyed on main ESPN uh. 58 nothing. So how did we get to this point, the article writes? Well, apparently Bishop Sycamore lied its way into the game by stating they had D1 prospects, they don't, <laughs> and naming players who don't even go to the school oh, in their press release. ESPN's broadcast of the game, meanwhile, scrambled to fill airtime during IMG Academy's drubbing oh. of the vastly inferior opponent. The broadcasters also mentioned their attempts to verify Bishop Sycamore's story but could not come up with anything and ultimately were concerned for the health and safety of the players involved midway through the second quarter. Sure, yeah, that's a big mismatch. It's hard to imagine how we even got here in the first place. A quick Google search brings up Bishop, Moore, Sycam Bishop Sycamore's 0-6 record from last year. <laughs> They've turned it around, though. They're ready to compete with the best in the country. And now the next <laughs> article you read is, we're not sure that even Bishop Sycamore exists. Like, there's no school. Well, Just a bunch of guys. What? <laughs> they got out of ESPN. <laughs> well, that actually would make oh. a little more sense to me. Because what would be in it for that school to go get your ass kicked on national TV? I, is there a payment? There probably is a payment. To, uh, oh, maybe. Sort. Maybe but you get wouldn't some it cash. Go to the, well, yeah. Go to the school. The school. But, yeah, but, or I was going to say the school district. It's maybe, an but, online yeah, there school is no that district. doesn't. Yeah, there's no nothing. And it was not on ESPN 2 or News. Right, it wasn't buried. It was on ESPN on Sunday, the main Crazy. channel, Gosh. against the number one team in the country. That's, they totally tricked ESPN and got their team somehow on national television. I, I, and I find that story... Yeah, you love it. ...rewarding on some <laughs> level. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it is awesome. As long as nobody got hurt. It's the That's reason that like, we root for all of them in Ocean's Eleven to rip off the casinos. 
The, oh, yeah, we do, don't we? They're, they're bad guys. They're all yeah, thieves. Yeah, Julia Roberts was on that team. <laughs> True, yeah, that changes I root it. for Julia Roberts, whatever she does. Yes, well, she wasn't on the team. I mean, you know, she was. it took her a while to get on that team. See, I don't remember the movie oh. very well. Well, she was dating Terry it. Benedict, the guy who owned all the casinos. Oh. But it was George Clooney, Danny Ocean's ex-wife, who's now dating Terry Look Benedict. Look at you. What? That's what I, what? Look at you. You don't know who's in the NFC East, but you know about. <laughs> What's the NFC East? Is that baseball? <laughs> That's a great movie. Uh, I love that movie. Episode 156. So you're back from hiking. No, I didn't go hiking. Hiking. What do you call it? You did camping. That's what you call it, yes. When did you go? Where did you go? This is your annual event. You mentioned oh. it on episode 155P. Yeah. Right? So Thursday, Piper had her first softball practice with this new team. Yeah. So we we could, couldn't miss it. Okay. But we're scheduled to go camping Thursday. Thursday to Sunday. Right. She gets done at 7. We're home at 7, 45, 8. We're like, let's, let, let's just go. It's 45 minutes from our house. Let's just oh. do it. Let's pack the car and go. As opposed to going the next day? Yeah, the next morning. Right. We just wanted that just that extra little day. When you wake Sunday up there, night. it's better than having to pack. Thursday night, rather. Thursday, Thursday night. night. Yeah. We head up. We stop for some food. We, we get to the exit. Well, before the exit, it's pouring down rain. It's pouring down rain on Thursday night. Okay. And I'm thinking, well, once you get over the mountains, it always dries out. Oh, yeah. The convergence zone. Oh, it always, I don't know what that is, but it always dries <laughs> out. Yeah. There's a couple of golf courses so, where it never rains. Yeah, well, yeah. I think that might be up on Squim in that okay. area. But okay. anyway, Eastern yeah. Washington, just, just over the mountains, it's always better. It just is. Yeah. Okay. It's worse on the other side of the mountains. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay. I, I, now I'm hoping the camp, uh, I'm hoping our exit is 10 miles away or 12. Like, let's just keep going east so it'll dry out. Well, you've gone there before. I know, but it's dark. I don't really don't know. Remember. I go once a year. Yeah. I see sign, Lake Cachise, one mile. I'm like, no, God damn it. It's pouring down rain. It's not going to clear and, up. And there's already families that you know. No one's there. You- no one's there. People are coming Friday and oh, Saturday. Oh, you're, you're going a day early a day earlier than everybody. Than everybody, yeah. Oh. There was another family that was supposed to go, but he forgot he had a work oh. meeting. Whatever. Okay. So we get we get off the exit, and it's it's pouring. And I look at Piper. Do you want to just go home, or what do you want to do? Yeah, it's only 45 minutes. You right. Turn around and go home. You could go home. But she's like, mm, let's just go check out the campsite. So we just we drive down to the campsite, and then it's barely sprinkling. It's, it's not too bad. I said, all right, what do you want to do? Do you want to set this up? She's like, yeah, let's do it. Really? Yeah. It, uh, Aggressive for us because we're, nice. we're we're not the adventure family. You like kind of are. You kind of are. Well, compared to the guy under the desk, we are, but <laughs> and we're not. Okay, this is not our thing. And by the way, compared to the Levy family, bought a brand new tent I'd never put up before. Oh, and good now I got you. I got to do it in the dark. Good for you. Did it have a bathroom? Pretty much. It was pretty enormous. It yeah. was pretty damn nice. But yeah. so we, her and I, put the tent up. Yeah. And I go to fill the air mattress. All we got to do is air mattresses and tent, and we can just hide in there. We're good. Got yeah. the rain cover on it. Yeah. We can go to sleep. Yeah. I have this little compressor. It's the loudest. I forgot. It's the loudest air compressor in the freaking world. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's completely silent out there in the woods. Boom. <laughs> I was like, okay, can't, can't do that. I'm going to get spoken to. So luckily I had a little battery powered one as well that took four hours to fill up, you know, these enormous air mattresses. Yeah. So anyway, we, we got all set up and it was, it was good. We were good to go. I, I was glad we did it. I'm glad we didn't. And then everybody and else home. came the next day. Yeah. One family came Friday. And you were there from Thursday night to when? Uh, we left Sunday morning. As we record this. Okay. Yeah, got up and... So Thursday, no shower. Mm-hmm. Friday, no shower. Yeah. Saturday, no shower. Yeah. Did you say Wednesday or no? Did you throw that on top or no? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember what you said. I was just going to say this is a typical week for the for the Soden family. They don't believe in showers over there. Yeah, well... You and the Kutchers. Half, Ashton Kutcher. Half the family doesn't believe in showers. The half other half the is family. obsessed. Yes. Well, there's three. How do we go to half? Yeah, well... How do we get a half out of three? 
Yeah, well, <laughs> two thirds don't really care about showers all that much. Okay. <laughs> a third likes it. Okay. <laughs> and that um, third did not go camping with you on this particular trip. No. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, her and I have been uh, twice in six. We just celebrated 16 years of marriage recently. Yeah. Yes. We've been camping twice in 16 years. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> For you, I guess that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. Episode 156. Subscribe and share a rating and review on the show, especially if you're an Apple podcast. I got two, the last two ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts. Oh, okay. For Mitch Unfiltered were five stars. The first one writes, it keeps getting better, Mitch. Really enjoy the podcast, Mitchell. Because Slick is back, I'm joining the Patreon, LOL. Not the only reason I don't think Twisted Logic. Ha. Honestly, the podcast gets better and better. Really cool bringing back the best of the best from KJR. Please keep going strong. Cheers, Ted the Duck. Very nice. In Gig Harbor. Oh, he's a duck. Slickhawk's a duck too, right? I mean, they, yeah, I think they so. They stick together. Yeah, it makes sense now. The ducks stick yeah, together. Oh, yeah, for sure. We yeah. got five stars out of them, though. I like it. I'll on take Apple it. Apple Podcasts. And the other five-star rating was a little bit more in-depth. Mitch, five stars. Okay. Couple of things. Enough about the nose. <laughs> Couple of things. All right, go ahead. I've met you, and you have a perfectly normal nose. Wait, well, hold on a second. Wait, does he think he's writing Gaston, though? <laughs> I mean, what? Come on. No, Mike Salk. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> Jeez. Besides a, lar- besides, a larger nose has some real advantages. Oh, boy. This is on the podcast. <laughs> the guy who, who said uh, enough with the nose stuff. Besides, yeah. a larger nose has some real advantages. Mm-hmm. Many people have trouble breathing through their noses, leading to mouth breathing, which is a big problem, as well as sleep apnea and a host of other problems. So be proud of it, he writes. <laughs> this is all under the five-star right. rating. The other thing is I don't need to hear about negative reviews. If someone isn't interested in an intelligent look at sports, as well as other interesting things that aren't sports related, they're missing out. I think they're at the end of the bell curve and you shouldn't worry about them. Okay. I'd like to think I'm an intelligent person and I love hearing about other interesting things another intelligent person would like. Okay. Okay. That's good. He continues to write. Oh boy, the shot's coming. I know it. Just go ahead. Probably hard to get the podcast really big without selling out. This was the, we had a top, we we talked about this a few times. Well, I want to sell out. How how do we do that? (laughs) Without selling out, hiring advertising firms and consultants and doing, just keep doing what you do. Part of the beauty of a podcast, stay who you are and do what you want. I'll keep listening. Okay, good. Okay. Could do without the potty humor at the end, there though. There we go. There we go. Welcome. Yep, I knew it. Saw that coming. I get enough at home with two young children, <laughs> so I skip it. Much harder for a comedian to keep it clean, but the best ones can. Mm. Maybe Scott could try that. Wait, does, do I, re- I mean, am I really working blue, Never, as they say? Come on. Nevertheless, I'll keep my patron subscription active with five stars, signed John. This all was on the, the pod. I mean, you could literally go to Apple Podcasts, Mitch yeah. Unfiltered, and you would see this review of our show. So, enough, en- enough about your enormous nose, Mitch. So, so we've got the nose. Yeah. We've got negative re- reviews, which I love. Yeah, I like them too. I'm never mind. stopping negative reviews. Okay. I'm, never, I'm never not reading negative reviews. Okay. Um, how to get the podcast to be really big. Yeah. And not just this regional thing. And the potty humor at the end. Yeah. Those are the four topics that he he uh, he picks on. His name's John? John. Okay, I'm going to have to give him a warning at the end of this one. Really? 
Yeah. It's I, bad. It's not bad, bad, but he, he, if it's, it's fits in potty humor a little bit. Yes. <laughs> if, 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 if that's what he's what fearing. Just tell everybody, turn, turn the podcast off right now. I mean, not now, now, but yeah, like yeah. when it's time. Yeah, I, I will. If, yeah. yeah. Just tell everybody. Yeah. Please. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, good. All right. Well, three out of four ain't bad. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to share some nasty and negative feedback about episode 155, but episode 155 goes into the record books. It is the show that we've done with the most reaction via Twitter and email without getting one negative note. Did that make sense, what I just said? 155 was? Yes. The last show that we did, the last free show that we did, was the most reacted to show without us getting one even lukewarm. Every one of the emails, every one of the tweets we're positive about episode 155. The combination of Slickhawk, Cody Webster, <laughs> and Bob Rondo. I, I don't Bob Rondo. I don't know. I must have seen. Must have been the perfect kind of recipe for right. the right show. That's what people like. Great. No, I loved it too. I loved the whole episode. You did. It was awesome. I'm soaking it all in. I loved it. Three great guests. Yeah. I I, I I get sad when I talk to Cody Webster a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't the- get sad with Bob Rondo or Slickhawk. I get a little sad with Bob Rondo. You do? I feel like he, could be, he, he should still be doing sure, it. Sure, why not? He's good still. Yeah. And I, his so. voice is just my whole so. life of Husky football. So yeah, people liked those three guests. They liked our show. They liked our participation. There wasn't. I, I'm telling you. And I got tons and tons of feedback good. from that particular show. So 155, we did something right. There's no negativity for you. Nowhere to go but down now, right? Is that yeah, what you're telling right, me? Right down the turtles. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at $5 a month at MitchUnfiltered.com. I have received some questions about our new uh, football lineup that we have for yeah. patrons. When are the shows going to start? They are not going to start this week because even though college football is now underway yeah. a little bit this past week and coming up this next week the 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 regularly scheduled weekly shows our change of format for the patrons when mm-hmm. we're going to add all these shows is going to begin the following week so after this is episode 156 a- after 157 157 okay. will be next monday released and then all the the weekly shows will start after that love it and the schedule will be as follows the P show will be on Thursdays. It'll be just you and me. Okay. Also, Thursday we'll release around the NFL with me and Randy Mueller or Jason Locken Four or Peter King or a combination thereof. Then Friday we'll release the Seahawks No Table with Fan and Henderson and me. Also, Friday we're gonna release a show called Shooting the Shit with Mitch and Slick. Okay. Just him and I just <laughs> talking about it. Yeah. Uh, Saturday is fantasy football with Crab Cakes Kenny Z, like we did last year. And then we'll have Mr. Postseason and Tail the Tape, and then it'll be Monday again, and they'll have the main show on Monday. So Busy. That's the that's going to be the weekly schedule starting after Labor Day. Gotcha. Okay. The if, Labor Day week is when we're going to start all that. Five bucks a month for all that content. I really what want are you doing. I, I, re- I really want to. Should I increase it to five fifty oh. or five ninety five? Yeah. <laughs> You got to ask yourself: Is it? Do you have a better chance of bringing more people on at five? Nah. 
What you don't? That's, that's a lot it's of content. Too, it's, it's too much trouble. <laughs> All right, fine, whatever. Just whatever. <laughs> Just enjoy it. I hope people like it. <laughs> it's too. a little bit of a different thing. Yeah. We're throwing a lot of shit at the at the wall. Hopefully, some of it will stick. Yeah. The other thing that we're doing that starts the first week of the football season okay. is beat the boys. Oh, we are doing that again. We are doing beat the boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Here's the difference. And you know, I think most people that are listening, maybe they don't know the story. I pick three NFL football games every week. We put them on the website. Yep. You go in as listeners. You need a password that we that we announce on the show. Yep. Once you get the password, you go in, you put the password in, and you just pick the winners of those three games. That's it. It's not spreads. Yep. It's not Vegas. It's just pick the winners of three random NFL football games that I choose. Easy peasy. So I guess there'll be 17 weeks worth now this year. Yep. There'll be 51 games. Every single listener who has – who picks more winners? It's just we're just picking winners. Yep. Okay. Every listener who has more winners than the than the boys, all of us get a prize. We've got Daniel's gift certificates. We've got Zeke's gift certificates. Nice. We got cash prizes. We got patron months. Every single person who picks more winners over fifty-one games, seventeen weeks times three, will win a prize. The only difference from last year to this year is. We are increasing the team. Okay, that was my the question. The boys, yeah. so that we don't lose as much. <laughs> There's been two iterations of the boys, so I want to know which which iteration we're going with. Okay, we're going with a an inflated iteration. <laughs> okay, okay? Good. it's not going to be just you and me. <laughs> we're adding producer Steve, which is going to be of no help. So it's that's just like you and me, <laughs> right? But Slickhawk is going to join the team too. Good. So the four of us are going to pick, hopefully, every week the three games, yeah. and we're going to be compiling a standing as well. Every single listener of Mitch Unfiltered who over 17 weeks picks more winners than all four. You got to beat all four of us. Right. No tying any of us. You got to beat all four of us. If you do so, you'll win something, whether it's Daniels or Zeke's or Cash or Patron Months Love or it. something. Can't okay. wait. There you go. That, that's my action for the fall. I can't wait. You know I'm fantasy free. You did better than... Yeah, I know that. So the, but you did the, better than this. me last year, didn't you? Or were we close? We were the same. We were we were both god-awful to begin with. Yeah. And then I, and then we I got on? hot at the oh, end. Oh, you got hot. Yeah, I kind of got hot at the end. You got hot. Still lost my side bet to the guy I had to pay the teriyaki <laughs> lunch off to. But I'm, I'm, I ended hot. Did you hot. have to dine with him too? Well, yeah, that, that was part of it. I know. I was, I, I was like, can I, just run down, it? can I just run down and swipe my card for you, then head home and you can just eat? But no, he was a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I did it. We sat and had a nice chat. Did He's you? a patron. Nice guy. Yeah. Neighbor, I guess. Did he kill you or was it close? Uh, he killed me. Oh, okay. Like, I, I, I okay. really picked the wrong guy to have a side bet with because he was really hot all really? year long. Did he, yeah. Oh, so he was one of the top ones. I think he was, oh, or he was very close. Shit. I know. Of all the people I pick a side bet with, he, he murdered me. Guess on episode 156, Seahawks no table with Joe Fan and Brady Henderson. The preseason is over. We'll talk about it in, in segment number one. It's over. I need to get and caught up. They, I can't wait to listen. I will, well... <laughs> Uh, not a lot happening in the San Diego Charger. I guess it's the Los Angeles Charger game <laughs> yeah. over the weekend. I'll tell you where I was during the game. Okay. Uh, Rich Todd. You know the name Rich Todd? Yeah, I do. Yes, you do. He's the coach of the East Lake Little League All-Star team. That's right. Yeah. Saw it on who TV. took his team to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Yep. They're back now. And he joins us on Mitch Unfiltered to Great. tell us what the experience was all alike, uh, all about. And Corey Brock, the athletic on the Mariners who lost three out of four to the lowly Kansas City Royals and are slip sliding away in the wild card race in the American League. Yeah, I was in the woods, and I, I, I swear I saw a grand slam from the catcher for the Royals. Yes, Salvador Perez, I think his name is. And then did it happen again the next day? 
Oh, I don't know. Did he do it twice? He may have done it. Uh, but I, I think he hit a couple of home runs. A couple I thought of big it was like a typo. It was yes. like I was trying. No. I was kind of confused. No, he's like a Mariners killer. Well, yeah, two grand slams and two nights from this guy, and they what? They win one out of four. They're they're eight games or nine games over five hundred as we record this. Okay. They have a run differential of minus 60. They have been outscored by their opponents by 60 runs this year. Just to give you a sense now, the Washington Nationals have been outscored by their opponents by a total of 57 runs, so a little better than the Mariners. And the Washington Nationals, I believe, are 19 games under 500. Okay. So that's kind of where the Mariners should be. Or, I didn't say that that's where they should be. Or maybe be. split the difference you, a little you bit. You give them credit for winning close games. Okay. They deserve credit. Winning baseball games is where it's at. I, I understand that. And when they I'm, lose, I'm just, they go hard. I'm just I'm just putting it in its proper perspective. You can draw any conclusion okay. you want. I'm not saying that they should be 19 games, that they're a 19-game under 500 baseball team. But I'm, I think what I am saying is they're probably not a nine-game over 500 okay. baseball team. So if you split it, I guess they'd yeah. be a 500 team? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, probably, something like that. Probably, I don't know if that math worked out, but that's probably about right. Well, normally a 500 team you would think is about 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah. It's about evened out. You would think. You would think, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, hey, they've won a lot of close games, and I guess you got to give them credit. But So there you go. Seahawks no table, Rich Todd of the East Lake Little League All-Stars, and Corey Brock of the Athletic, the Mariners beat reporter. So 156 begins in a moment. Jordan Flowers and his team now the official Kirkland home of Cross- Country Mortgage, offering the best refinance rates on your home. Now with access to some new construction loan products that are second to none. How much can you save every month? All you got to do is call 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers, all working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza from Tacoma to Bellingham, and now east to Spokane. That's right, Zags fans have a new one coming, uniquely Northwest, with the best craft beer selection you'll find anywhere. Zeke'sPizza.com or download the Zeke's Pizza app, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler still looking to hire across the board, from busboys to waiters to hostesses to bartenders, full-time, part-time, and higher Regency downtown location reopening its barroom too. If you or someone you know is looking for a job, danielsbroiler.com, or just stop into any of the locations, Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses. Just ordered a brand-new outdoor fireplace unit from John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions. They were over here to make perfectly sure that everything is going to be just right. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. This is episode 156, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. If you ranked every current active player, I guess 50-something times... 30 something so yep. maybe there's 1500 he would be dead last he's the last guy that would ever taunt anybody it's God, like he went to he went to tyler lockett of all the people unfiltered luke wilson is more popular than sean alexander right. but that proves my whole theory that's right that some guys they just transcend yep. whatever their value was to the club in popularity mitch is unfiltered Episode 
episode 156, Hot Shot Scott, officially underway. Can you just give me a sec? I'm trying to pirate the Jake Paul fight right now. I'm going to need some time to figure out how I can stream that. Is he fighting? <laughs> yes, he's fighting. As we record, it's already underway. I, he's probably not in the ring yet, but no, I did not buy it this time. Who? Who is he fighting? Do I care? Uh, it's, I think it's an ex-UFC guy named Tyron Woodley, who's I 37. Care. I thought he fights like uh, Nate Robinson or somebody that I've heard of. But he wants to be like a legit boxer, uh, so now he's stepping up his game. Yeah, he's and not- I see I see you bought it. No. No, no, I, that's why I have to pirate. I'm yeah. trying to pirate it. So I you don't care? It. I care. That's you why cared I'm, about I'm trying the earlier to find ones. it. Well, I, that was Mayweather. Oh, I see. I want to see Mayweather kick his I ass, see. but it felt like they were kind of in cahoots. I see. Anyway, I'm I'm going to try to find it. I'm, okay. I, I I want to see what happens. And you'll be back on 156P with a full uh, report <laughs> if I can Which find one, it. Which yes. one? There's two brothers. I don't I don't even know who who fought who. Yeah, th- this is Jake Paul. Yes. Um, I don't know how. To, yeah, I don't know how to explain it to you. you I, I'd go through this every time with you. Just forget it. it doesn't I don't matter. Know. Yeah, I just know there's two brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <and laughs> I'm supposed to care about. No, this, you're not. But I don't. You're not. Well, thank effing God. The preseason in the NFL is over. Yes. And you were hiking, so you didn't watch the preseason <laughs> game. Not hiking. Not hiking. Yes. You were camping. That's right. That's you were camping, so you didn't see the preseason game. No, I, I watched highlights when I got home. I was so excited for the final preseason game between the Chargers and the Seahawks yeah. that I waited five hours for a table at a new sushi restaurant in Bellevue as opposed to watching the game. Not five hours. Five hours. No. Five hours. You're exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. Who would wait five hours for anything? There's a new sushi restaurant in Bellevue, which wait, is a chain. You don't even so like sushi. No, I don't. <laughs> five hours for food? You I have my for? in-laws here. Oh, okay. Fine. I had my kids... You know, they like it. My yeah, wife I likes it. it. The kids, I, I I tolerate it. I go. Okay. There is a new revolving, you know, the thing. The, the conveyor con- belt. The conveyor belt yeah, thing. Yeah. There's a new one in Bellevue okay. where you literally, they tell you to put your name on. You, you have to download the app. We, we literally put our names on the list. For Saturday night at 7 o'clock, we put our names on the list, I think, at 1.30 or 2 oh o'clock. We were in Everett. And you just you As knew a family, it was we, take were, forever. we went to Everett to go see some store that they wanted to see. Okay. We went to Everett, and we while we're on our way, we had to put our name. And you're like 60th in line, 58th oh in line, gosh. 56th in line. <laughs> the neat thing is you don't have to go stand there for five hours. That you, is good, yeah. And, and then they, I, I don't know if they call us or they notify us. You're getting close. Then we get in the car and we go. And there's all kinds of people in the garage. And then we end up getting into the. That's what I did instead of watching the Seattle Seahawks preseason game. But did you actually get in at your time at seven? Like were they close? Oh, I don't to know it. Or? I don't know what time we ended up getting. I'm just in wondering, there. was it really close or yeah. way off? No, or? it was pretty close. Really? Yeah. That's kind of a cool system, yeah. actually. Yeah. So it does suck having to go. Do you, you like wait the around. conveyor belt thing? Oh yeah, I love it. Because the blue sea sushi thing didn't work. They all went out of business. Yeah, that is weird why that, that they didn't work. They all went out of business. But this place has got like 35 places around the country. They're okay. in Florida, New York, Washington, lots huh. of California, Texas. They're all over the place. It's a proven winner. It comes from Japan. You'll be you'll be surprised to know <laughs> <Okay>. about that. <laughs> and yeah, and they got, uh, it's, a, it's a real. There's something kind of fun taking the little things off. There's something kind of gross about it too. Yeah, they're covered up, aren't they? Yeah, and you only touch the one you take. Yeah, I think. <laughs> A lot of fingers going around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you'll have a kid sitting close to it in the booth. And I don't know how everything. I feel yeah. about the conveyor belt sushi. Really, you're not quite sure how long it's been going around. How many? Yeah, it's how many out. trips around has it gone? Yeah, the beef right there. See that, but I found that the conveyor belt sushi typically, yeah, isn't great. Did you find this was good? Like, 
I mean, you're, you're no expert. Did your wife like it? Did no the family idea. like Everybody it? Everybody liked it. Okay. I get, I was trying, you know, me and they get, they all get tired of me. I go and I try to get the story of the place and why is it successful? And yeah. I, I'm like doing an investigative report on every place I go. <laughs> right. That's, that's me. And so I started asking questions and apparently the prices are very, very affordable. Oh, okay. They've got good prices. It's not like Blue Sea Sushi where every plate is a different price. It's all like $2.95. Oh, I didn't know that. $2.95. Oh, and then, really? And then if you order some of the higher higher priced items they come from the kitchen on another convey- conveyor belt and it comes right to your right to your uh, booth really does that make sense so there's the one main conveyor belt going yeah, round yeah, yeah. and round round and round and they teach you how they want you to take it off there's a way to take it the thing pops up whatever oh my god okay. they, they make you they make everybody at the table try it first on a sample one before, because they don't want everybody touching everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's the main one that all the stuff comes around. Yeah. And then there's one above it that when you order like a soup, like an udon soup, like I'll order, an, instead of having sushi, okay. I'll order an udon soup or something. Oh, there's guy. like a, there's like, there's like. <laughs> you guys have like, chicken nuggets here? <laughs> there's like, you know, miso soups and stuff that won't go around and around on right. a conveyor yeah, belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You order that on a screen, on a touch oh, screen. Oh, that's awesome. On a touch screen, and then it tells you four minutes, three minutes, wow. two minutes, and then it buzzes. It's about to come, and there's a there's a belt above the conveyor belt where the, they put it on from the kitchen, and it comes flying over to your and it stops right at your at your table. Did this I make so any kind of tech. sense? Yeah, very high tech. So it's it's like double conveyor belts. Double conveyor belts. Wow, that is and really cool. You put the when you finish with your when you're eating when you you finish with your sushi. This that's two ninety five. You put the plates in a little thing that goes down. It, it a little hole goes down. It's like the, like the chips at the blackjack table. Right, they, they go down, <laughs> and they must have some belt underneath where you don't see, and they probably take the dishes to the to the kitchen. But every time you put a dish into that little hole, it registers boop, on boop. the screen, <laughs> right. so you know how much money you're spending. Right. Yeah. Right. Are you saying everything? It's two ninety five. You sure about that? I'd be very surprised. Every one of the main sushi right. dishes that come around wow. are two dollars and ninety five. Well, that's why you're there waiting seven high, hours. There, there, are, there are higher priced items that are six ninety five and seven ninety five and eight ninety five that you order on the touch screen right. from the kitchen that come on the other conveyor belt. Wow! I don't know why I'm doing an advertisement yeah, for this type of thing. That but that's awesome. what I did. The people who <laughs> people who are looking forward to my comments about the you know, I came home and I watched the whole damn right. thing. Yeah, yeah, the whole the thing. whole damn thing. Okay. Yeah. It was nice to see number one out there, D. Eskridge. Yeah, sure. Made a couple plays. He had the, like the uh, the jet sweep. The jet sweep. And then he had a catch over the middle. Yeah, a catch over the down. middle for 19 yards. Yeah, yeah. first catch. So, so he's. it's nice to see the speed and the and the excitement around there. I, I don't want to say they're, they're number one. Yeah, I guess it's their first overall pick. Yeah. So he had a foot injury, so that was nice. But is he the th- third guy? Do, we, do you, Is that your opinion? I mean, I think that's the enough? plan. Okay. That's the plan. Okay, good. They're going to toss it to him on end of rounds. They're going to throw bubble screens out to him. Hopefully, they're going to get involved, and he's going to be a part of that offense. Your buddy Marquise Blair is oh, teasing us again. He yeah. scored a touchdown. I did see that. Who hit him? Was it Cody Barton? Cody Barton hit the quarterback. Ball went up in the air. Marquise Blair came down. They went for a touchdown. But he made a couple other plays. He te- Again, yeah. we see that Marquise Blair can play, but yep. can he play? Will he remain out there? Well, he may Can not he really... get through a season. Oh, I see. Yeah, health-wise. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was yeah. thinking Quandre Diggs. Yeah. So maybe he'll see more time if that... No, thing... I think Marquise Blair is going to be the like the nickel corner. Okay. The third corner that comes into oh, the okay. game. Yeah. That's a big hitting they corner. Kinda, yeah, they moved him kind of from safety. 
The other night he played safety because Quandre Diggs wasn't playing. Gotcha. But he looked good. He looks the part. I he, loved him out of college. I you remember? You I wanted I him to start, do. but yeah, he couldn't I stay healthy. Daryl Taylor. I did write that I in my notes. I feel a necessity to mention <laughs> Daryl Taylor got home for a sack. I saw a headline. I Well, he had one and a half from what I read. He had one and a half. I saw a headline that said, is Daryl Taylor the next Bruce Irvin? Yes, it's on. it was on some website. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that. That was tongue-in-cheek, I hope, right? I mean... After no, a, it wasn't Duncan. Well, half of us read that out. and thought, I hope he's better than Bruce Irvin. Well, yeah, I guess Bruce so. Irvin was good. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know that Bruce Irvin was ever great. Yeah, I guess so. They say this kid can be great. But I'll take Bruce sack. Smith. That's who I'd oh, like. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's who I'll take. Yeah. You and, and all the rest of us. <laughs> right. So Daryl Taylor got home. There you so go. There's a, there's a note. And so they look good. They won like 27 to nothing or 34 to nothing. And and uh, they got a lot of the, the one thing that I think is interesting as Tuesday rolls around, they got to make all their cuts and Tuesday rolls around mm-hmm. is the running. back. I mean, there's a few things that are interesting, but the running back situation, I know I, I wa- I've never been a Rashad Penny fan. Yeah, I'm kind of. Didn't he have one good game against New England or something? No, you're thinking of CJ Procise. Oh, is that who that was? <laughs> okay, I think I think Penny's had a couple of good games. But he's the best shape of his life. I mean, he can't, oh, he's, he's slimmed him. down. He's, 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 he's as thin as he was at San Diego State. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I, there's something about Rashad Penny. I don't know. He just doesn't. He doesn't do it for me. And they've got these other guys. Yeah. Alex Collins, who's back now after leaving the team, he's come back. Yeah, I heard he looked good though. Looked really, really good. Yeah. And. You know, DJ Dallas looks really, really good. And yeah. it, I don't know. I, I watched Rashad Penny, and I don't see it. I, I don't see a guy who's the second best. You know, he, he's probably going to be the guy who comes in when Carson comes out like he like he does when he's healthy, but yeah. I don't see it. I don't see where he's that guy. I think that they've got, they've got two or three other guys that are as good as, as Rashad Penny. Now, Penny was a first-round draft choice. Right. This is the final year of his contract. Would they ever cut him? Probably not. But... I don't know. I don't see it. Yeah. Didn't he peel off a long one last year and kind of brought us all back or maybe the year before? I don't know. He's had a lot of a lot of good moments. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he's he's completely void of good moments. Okay. I just, I don't know. I don't see over the course of a game. I think Collins is as good, if not better. Yeah. I think DJ Dallas is as good, if not better. Yeah, from I what I read, it. people are loving, they think Collins has the backup job now. Like he did enough oh. at the Charger game to be the backup. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. We'll see. All right. And again, as with the history of these we'll running backs, see. you'd be stupid to cut any of them. You got to keep them all around, right? Well, you got to keep a number of them. There's, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Because Craig, you know, Chris Carson, for for whatever reason, you know, well, we know the reason. I mean, he's the most physical running back yeah. in the league and looks for contact. But so we'll see what they do with the running backs. We'll see what they do with the offensive line. And there's some questions at corner. Is it DJ Reed? Is it Akella Witherspoon? Okay. Is it Trey Flowers again? I know this that when I came back from five hours of sushi. <laughs> The, I, oh, I turn on the TV, and the first thing I see is somebody going a slant over the oh. middle on Trey Flowers. <laughs> oh, what well, is it about Trey Flowers and slants? He cannot stay with a guy. I would just, if I was an opposing team, I would just run slants on Trey Flowers the entire time. Yeah. I don't have any answers about Trey Flowers. I've been, I, I, I don't know what He's they see. He's liable to be the starter in Indianapolis in a couple weeks. Oh. I don't know what they see in him. I, I haven't been to practice while he's been there, so I don't know. Mm. Maybe he looks good in practice, and I don't know. I, I don't get it, but we'll see. He's going to be around. Yeah. He's the guy you can't get rid of. He's the guest. He's the guest that comes in from out of town and that never leaves. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I saw in uh, in Indianapolis some bad news for the Colts, but good news for the Seahawks. The T.Y. Hilton, their, their top-notch wide receiver. I think he's still a top-notch wide receiver, although he's been injury-plagued injury okay. the last number of years. He's out. Okay. Bad neck, so he's not going to play against the Seahawks. We don't know about their quarterback, Carson Wentz. Just we don't know him. about their all-pro left guard, 
forget the guy's name. Those two guys seem to be trending in the right to, the direction to play against the Seahawks. We'll find out on the Sunday, but T.Y. Hilton's not going to play, and okay. it, they'll, they'll tee it up for reals in a couple of weeks here. Crazy. Colts against the Seahawks, now, right? Did you, did you notice anything about the tempo of the offense or no? It was good. I thought Geno Smith looked really good. I thought the first quarter, I thought the Seahawks really looked good. Okay. But the problem is they're not playing anybody, and, and, and that brings me to my concern. Okay. I'm going to be watching. I want you to think of me when you're watching the Indianapolis Colts against the Seattle Seahawks in the first couple of possessions of the game for the offense. Okay. I know the, the way the thinking is, is, oh, don't play Russell Wilson behind a backup offensive line. Oh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they're going to have to play 17 games this year. Just hold them out. Oh, don't, don't, you know, don't put the offensive lineman out there. I mean, literally, in previous preseasons, the number one offense would play in that third game. They'd yep. play a quarter, a That's quarter right. and a half, a couple of possessions, what have you. There were literally eight, ten offensive guys, starters, that didn't play one down the entire preseason. Yeah, I read that about Russell, that he didn't, hadn't played all the whole preseason. Didn't play one down the whole preseason. DK Metcalf did not play a down. Tyler Lockett did not play a, a down. The new tight end played a little bit the other night. Um, the uh, Three or four of the five offensive linemen that will be starters in Indianapolis did not play a down the, huh. entire, the, the entire preseason. So the question that I have is, what are they going to look like yeah. in the first couple of possessions against the Indianapolis Colts? What is this, Russell's ninth year? Whatever it is. Okay. They've got a new new offensive coordinator, a new system, yeah. and six or seven of the 11 offensive starters did not play it down. They did, I mean, I would have put them out there for a, a series, a right. couple of, just to, just to get, get a sweat going and just get a little bit of rhythm and a little bit of chemistry, nothing. So I will be watching uh -oh. and commenting <laughs> about the first couple of yeah. possessions against the Colts. Now, I will say this. If they come out of the gate in Indianapolis, the first game of the season on September the 12th or yeah. whatever the number is, and they start throwing the ball all over the field, they go right down the field of – I will, I will be a proponent of no starter ever playing a preseason game <laughs> right. in Seattle the rest of their careers. But the, flip the rest side, of my life here in Seattle. If Russell overthrows a wide-open DK they, Metcalf, if you're going to come unglued. If they're out of sorts. Yeah, penalties, jumping off sides. If the offensive line doesn't produce holes for Chris Carson. I mean, yeah. I, I'm okay with defensive players not playing during the preseason. Because I think defense, I mean, you played the game. Defense is a lot different than offense. Offense and offensive linemen, they count on one another. There's timing, chemistry there's rhythm, and all that, there's yeah. chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot that goes into offense. It's pretty complicated. Defense, I know there are plays in defense, yeah. but for the most part of defense, I'm, I'm thrilled that Bobby Wagner didn't play it down. Right. Okay? I don't need to see Bobby Wagner play it down, all right? I don't need to see Carlos Dunlap. What does Carlos Dunlap really do when he gets in there? He pins his ear back and he goes after the quarterback. Yeah. I'm okay with defensive players not playing during the preseason. I think when you're dealing with a new offensive coordinator and a new system and a new scheme and new offensive lineman, the guy from the Raiders, and a new tight end, I, I would have put them out there for a possession or two just to get them yeah. set for this. So I'm watching. I'm paying <laughs> I'm sure you are. close attention. <laughs> so you're worried more. You are going to hear from uh, me. If they're down 10 nothing and the offense can't get, can't get started, needs to get jump started, you are going to hear from me. Okay. You're worried more about the mental part. What about the physical part? Does that worry you at all that they're not going against that that game speed of another team? All of it. Okay. Because to me, all that's, of it. That's, that's what kind of worries me that 
it might feel a little fast at first out there because they haven't seen it all, you know, Correct. for a year. Correct. That that to me, getting are, out of the huddle, get to the line. Yeah, we're gonna have jumps. We're gonna have false starts. What are we gonna have? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, because you you just you can't replicate that speed and practice. You can try. You just, I am you just happy don't. to eat crow <laughs> if they take the opening kickoff and they go thirteen plays for a touch and yeah. stick it in the end zone. You'll never hear me complain about this again, okay. ever. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm wondering, do you think this is a fad, not, not a fad, but like, is this a trend with other teams? Like, are all teams doing this now? Just pulling all their, or is this a, a Seattle thing? It's a be, no, it's about, I've been watching, it's about half and half. It is, okay. There are a lot of teams not playing their key guys at all during the preseason. Okay. And then there are other teams that don't believe in that. I mean, I've watched every Dolphins game. They play Tua a lot. He's young. He, he probably used Tua the reps, a lot. Yeah. Okay. They played their offensive line a lot. They played some of their receivers. I mean, Joe Burrow played the other day for Cincinnati coming off of a huge knee injury. I mean, okay. there are teams that play their starters a little bit, and there are teams that don't play them at all. Okay. So, we'll kind of case by case. Case by case. How old your quarterback is. I and, guess. Yeah. So back to my question about Waldron. Forget how well they did, but did, did the tempo look? I keep hearing about this tempo. He, he's, uh, he's you know, they get to get a lot of plays in. Was it yeah. noticeable to you or it, no? It feel, yes. I didn't. Let's put it this way. I didn't notice any of the snap it quickly, snap it. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be down to zero. Okay, you know, I, I didn't find myself watching the play clock go three, two, yeah. and which is annoying. Yeah, it's super annoying. And he, he snaps it right at zero, <sighs> not at two. Just two would be you. annoying, but why at zero? Mike Holmgren used to say, "I want you to run out of the run out of the huddle." Not only are we going to huddle fast, are we going to call the play fast, I want everybody to run to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, don't risk it. And, so, and, and Matt Hasselbeck used to snap that ball at 10, hmm. 11, 9, 12. They never let it go down to zero. It was all about yeah. bang, 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 bang. Uh, yeah, don't okay. get me started on that. But Well, it sounds like you saw, you I have not it, seen so. a lot of that Good. stuff uh, in preseason. Good, so, that's what I was wondering. There you go. Let's do three, uh, three interviews, yep. and then we'll come back with the other stuff. I'm ready. Okay. If you've listened to Mitch Unfiltered, then you know. You know by now that Jordan Flowers and his squad has changed teams to cross-country mortgage, which means even better opportunities at your fingertips. And here he is, Jay Flo himself, Jordan Flowers. How are you, Jordan? Hey, I'm doing great, Mitch. Thank you so much. It's been a fun and active summer with this transition. I've talked to so many of your patrons and listeners that have followed us and been able to connect with us since we left. But uh, we are just learning so much more about this company than we even knew as far as products and what we're able to offer our clients and quick closings. And it's been phenomenal. Give us an example. You and I were talking before we started to record. Give me an example of something that you can do now, a product that's at your fingertips now that wasn't there with the other guys? Yeah, uh, we have a construction to perm product that has really been hard to get just for anybody locally. Banks have backed out on true custom construction loans. Most independent mortgage bankers don't have it. And we have it here. And it's one of the best I've seen since the early 2000s. I was talking to the head of the construction department just yesterday on a $1.4 million deal in Montana. And there are some really fantastic, unique things about our product that really 
really make buying that lot and building that dream home a reality for people, including being able to finance in your payments during a construction so you don't ever have to make a payment during construction. It just gets accounted to the actual loan balance, as well as a lot of the issues tend to come down to draw requests with builders and getting their subcontractors paid quickly. Mm-hmm. We pay out based off the budgeted line item on the proposal versus having to submit invoices and receipts and then go through the process of paying out. Very so cool. a lot of great things here. And you roll straight into a permanent 30-year fixed in the three to three and a quarter range right now. So fantastic 30-year fix for it. And if you're just in the market to refinance and, and get better numbers on your current 30-year fix, what are they? And why would people that are sitting around with 4% interest rates, why are they not making the call to you or somebody like you to explore their options? Well, if they're sitting in the high threes or above four, they've probably heard maybe I talked to your patrons too long, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But it's a fantastic time to refinance and rates are still in the mid to upper twos to low threes depending on your situation and it's a great time to tap into equity in the home if you've been putting off those home projects or you're wanting to go on a trip or invest or just have money ready to put into this crazy market and i implore everybody to give me a call if you're thinking about refinancing mid threes or above even low threes depending and you want to shorten the term Mm -hmm. it's just the time to do it and the fed came out and said that they're going to maybe start tapering here soon, which could have impact on mortgage-backed securities and interest rates, so it's the time to do it. Phone number. You can always reach me on the cell, 425-890-2957. 425-890-2957. That's uh, Jordan Flowers and his team now, the Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Third and seven, hit the backfield, Cody Barton knocks the ball out, and Marquise Blair takes it into the end zone. Tenth play of this drive. Collins, Broom, touchdown. Mannion, got him. Caught, touchdown, Seahawks. Derese Roberson. Hey, it's Seahawks no table time. Preseason games have mercifully come to an end. And now we'll wait an unbearable two weeks until the good guys travel to Indianapolis to get things started. Brady Anderson, ESPN Seahawks insider, is with us. Do we need to know about any boat repairs going on as we speak, Brady? First Do you need to know about any? Um, no, but I, I will tell you that I'm, I'm in the final stages of a uh, sanding slash staining project, okay. and I'm on the, the very end of it. It's the ladder going up to the roof. So no, work, no worker people are going to interrupt the, the podcast today? None? Well, you never know. I mean, there's people coming in and out all day, so hopefully. And Joe Fan, ladies and gentlemen, who needs no introduction, but apparently Joey Notable is a free agent no longer, and I want to know, are we allowed to know where Fan is going and when he's going? When we're going to hear Wednesday. Him? Wednesday will make the announcement, oh. I think. Uh, but I'm excited. It's been a long couple of months uh, of, of ambiguity and being in limbo, and so uh, the next chapter is secure, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. You can't even whisper. Uh, I'll whisper it to you uh, off the air. Okay. Will you be, can I ask this, will you be continuing to be a prominent one-third of the no table? Now, Brady told me off the record that you're kind of one-quarter and we're a little bit more than you, <laughs> you guys are. 
But are you, you know, know, even to have that quarter is an honor. And so I'll take that quarter of my stock in the no table and, uh, and, and run with it. So, okay. no, I, I plan on continuing as long as you'll have me. Uh, I enjoy these conversations and uh, it's going to be a really fun season ahead. Well, I, I plan on having you. I'll try to I'll try to convince Brady that it's a good idea. I can't <laughs> promise how that's going to go, but we'll do the very best that we can. Now, as we record this, Brady, Hawks have big decisions to make, but here's the problem. Many will listen to this podcast after those decisions on Tuesday are already made. So rather than go through the entire roster and, and have you guess – the Brady Henderson index as to what Pete Carroll and John Schneider and the coaching staff are going to do. Why don't you just lay on us the three in your world, the three most interesting ones? And okay, we'll start. Yeah, we'll start with running back okay. uh, and who is going to be assuming they keep four. Who is going to be that fourth tailback? Obviously, we know uh, that Chris Carson is going to be the starter. Rashad Penny is probably going to be the backup, even though he has not looked very good um, or didn't look very good in the preseason. DJ Dallas is going to be on the team. So you pretty much know the top three. I think a lot of people would assume after watching that final preseason game that Alex Collins uh, has that spot nailed down. But I would remind people that when you're talking about spots at the back end of a depth chart like that, the number four tailback spot, it usually comes down to special teams. And Travis Homer does a lot more on special teams than Alex Collins does. And by the way, Alex Collins, now that the, the practice squads are expanded uh, and there's, there's more players there and you can have veteran guys he would be eligible to be on the practice squad again. Of course, he would have to clear waivers, and you may lose him in the process of, of releasing him on cut-down day. Uh, but I, I just don't think that's the slam dunk that a lot of people seem to think it was okay, based hold on. on what Be- I was seeing. Before you go to the next ones, that's one. Joe, jump in here. Do we agree that Rashad Penny should be the guy on the field when Chris Carson comes off the field every third series or so? I don't. I mean, I think you look at what Alex Collins has done during the preseason. To me, he has earned that. If this if this is truly the meritocracy of competition that, that Pete Carroll sells, you know, Alex Collins has earned that role, in my opinion. I just don't think Rashad Penny is reliable enough, nor has he looked good enough to, to warrant that job. Of course, the NFL isn't a true meritocracy, no matter what Pete Carroll says. And Rashad Penny was the first-round pick, so it makes sense. But I just don't know why you'd want to go into a season rolling with Rashad Penny where he hasn't given you really any reason to have faith in him and believe that he's going to be there from a health standpoint, to be productive uh, as a runner, as a pass catcher. Uh, When you have other options, you know, even DJ Dallas, you could argue, uh, deserves those reps more than Rashad Penny. To me, Rashad Penny should be firmly on the roster bubble or potentially making a phone call to Baltimore who just lost J.K. Dobbins for the year. If you can swing a deal for a a late-round pick and recoup just anything uh, and get him... Uh, out of there, and then and then you make your decisions much easier with with cut down day and being able to keep Alex Collins. Brady, why are they so married to Rashad Penny? Well, I mean, th- even if they wouldn't admit it, you draft a guy in the first round, you're really you're gonna want to see that through. Um, I, I mean, it's not just that; it's not just the optics of it. I mean, he is he has more upside and he's more talented runner than than Alex Collins is, and I would say. You know, as a counterpoint, like it's not just what happened in the three preseason games against a lot of backup players. It's also what happened in training camp. Now, Penny did miss some time, but, you know, Collins, he did not have some great moments. He had some fumbling issues in training camp, and and that was an issue earlier in his career. So they're going to be viewing the the entire picture there, not just what Collins did um, in three preseason. All right, go to number two, Brady. Sorry I interrupted. Got to get Joe in there. Uh, Don't don't do that again, please. Um, (laughs) Center. 
center. center. It's center. Uh, yeah. you know we heard from Pete Carroll at the beginning of this offseason that it was going to be a competition between Kyle Fuller and Ethan Posick, and if I am reading what Carroll is, if I'm picking up what he's putting down. He has been, I think, trying to signal that Kyle Fuller is going to win that job. He has not said that, and, and I could, my read could be off on this, but mm-hmm. every time you hear Carroll talk about that competition, he says, boy, it's it's really a shame that Ethan Posick wasn't able to, uh, you know, really put his best foot forward and really give it a, a good run in that competition because po- Posick missed a, a good chunk of training camp with a hamstring injury. And I don't think that Kyle Fuller is by any means – you know, a lock to, to stick in that job if, if he does win the starting job. But it does okay. seem like like uh, good he's going to begin the season as the starter. And and by the way, Posick has a $3 million guaranteed salary, so I, I don't see them moving on from him. I just think that Fuller is going to be the starter. And then the other question is uh, what happens at right cornerback? And, and really both of those cornerback spots have been open for competition. I have not really seen anybody uh, do anything that would that would lead me to believe that Akella Weatherspoon is, is – not going to be the starter on the left side. Not that he has locked that down by any means. I just don't think anybody is taking it away from him. So it's a matter of what's going to happen on the right side between DJ Reed and Trey Flowers. Uh, I think most people would assume that DJ Reed was, you know, going into this thing was was the clear favorite there. But he missed time in training camp, and, and I think Trey Flowers um, has had he's had a nice camp, even though he's he's got issues of his own that I, I you probably wouldn't feel great about him being the starting right cornerback, but. I think he has had a nice camp, so I think that that is very much uh, a coin flip there. Joe, talk to me about the corners. And by the way, I, I have on my list to ask you, and maybe this is the best time to do it. We all know that John Schneider typically does something unexpected this week every year, right? The week after the final cuts and getting ready for the – somehow he swings a deal or he brings somebody in that we weren't thinking about. He ends up on the roster, maybe even ends up in the starting lineup. I guess that could happen at corner – that could happen. Maybe the guy that starts a corner against the Colts is not even on the roster yet. So, Joe, where do you where do you stand? And are those two corners, whichever two or three that we they choose, is it going to be good enough? Because I don't think it's going to be good enough. I would be shocked if someone was starting at corner who isn't Curly on the roster. I mean, one of the reasons why, you know, there there are several why they didn't look to bring Richard Sherman back this offseason was they wanted to see what they had in camp with the guys that are there. So I think they would have to be just so severely unimpressed by what they have to to pull that sort of of move this late in the game my take is this you could obviously do much better at corner than the collection of akella witherspoon trey flowers dj reed demarius randall and then trey brown as well but i think the rest of the defense is going to be good enough to where those guys can be good enough i just as long as they're not a liability from a play to play basis you know, when I look back to two years ago and when you remember how, how poor the free safety play was and how bad Tedrick Thompson was, and it was just so predictably bad with, with big plays being given up so regularly, as long as it's not to that level, I think this defense can be good enough. And that's, all, that's all they have to be, in my estimation. The offense is going to carry this thing. They should be expected to be a top five, top three offense, a, a total juggernaut, like they were for the first day games, and sustain that through all 17 this year. If the defense can crack the top half, be in, be in that top 16 range, uh, I think that's more than, than good enough for this team to get where they want to go. And at corner, I think you, you have guys who are capable. And as long as they aren't total liabilities, which I... 
maybe I'm too bullish on them. Um, you know, maybe I have too much faith in, in what we saw from uh, DJ Reed last year. Maybe I have, I'm too bullish on either uh, Akello or Trey Flowers um, finding a way to, to be somewhat dependable. You know, maybe I, I wouldn't argue if you, you know, you telling me, I don't think it's going to be good enough. I think they're, they're, they're in, they're in trouble or they're, they're screwed there. I wouldn't tell you otherwise, but for some reason in my head, I, I just kind of feel like they'll find a way to, to, to be good enough. I think Joe raised a good point there about DJ Reed. I just wonder if there is a little bit of overconfidence creeping in about the ascension that DJ Reed showed last year. I mean, I think ideally DJ Reed would be, I mean, a really good number two, but that's kind of the best that you've got right now is, is maybe a really good number two. You just don't have uh, a number one. You, you don't certainly nothing like what you had during the Legion of Boom era. And not that, not that, you know, a hall of fame guy like Richard Sherman should be the standard, but not only do you not have that, you don't have a Shaquille Griffin there. There's nobody there where you think, yeah, that guy is guy's going to make a run and make it a Pro Bowl this year. And maybe you can get by with having a good pass rush. you got a really good safety duo in uh, Jamal Adams and, and Quandre Diggs, and probably more so Quandre Diggs as it relates to you know helping cover some of the deficiencies of the cornerbacks. I've just, I've just seen enough of those guys in training camp to, to think that they could be okay but I just don't see that, that group being really good. And it, as you said at the start of it, 2017, there was a need at, at left tackle. He, John Schneider tra- traded for Dwayne Brown. Sheldon Richardson that year, too, with a need at defensive tackle. Jamal Adams in 2019. Jadevion Clowney, right? Yeah, Jade- or Jamal Adams was last year. Jadevion Clowney in, in 2019. Every year there's a big trade. I, I, I haven't heard anything to, to lead me to believe that Stephon Gilmore specifically is likely. I just know how they feel about the cornerback spot, and I know that they're, I think they're concerned about it as much as you and I are. You know, it's funny that I feel like during free agency when Shaq left to sign with the Jaguars, there was such a, a, a pretty strong section and, and faction of Seahawks fans, at least on Twitter, maybe, maybe a vocal minority, but, but they were certainly there of this sort of like don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out with, with Shaq Griffin. Didn't really feel like many Seahawks fans mourn the loss of, of him moving on. And uh, I think those people could, could very, very quickly uh, miss him, uh, depending on how this goes. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of people, Joe, that are in my camp, which was when they saw the contract that Shaq Griffin signed in Jacksonville, the, the reaction was, I would have never given him that here in Seattle. But now let's go address the cornerback position now you might tell me they did witherspoon and trey brown they addressed the cornerback position i would have liked to i would have liked the organization to invest a little bit more in that spot considering what the nfl is in 2021 i mean it's a passing league and if you can't cover these great receivers that they're going to see week in and week out i don't know if it matters how good the offense is if you can't cover and 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 the next thing you're going to tell me is jamal adams isn't great in coverage if you can't cover, then how far can the Seahawks really go in the NFC West? Oh, I hear you. I just I think there were a lot of people last year. If you ask them at the end of the season, who is the Seahawks' best corner? A lot of people would have told you DJ Reed. Really? I wouldn't. Have. I think so. Yeah. Maybe and maybe I just maybe I misread kind of the, the vibe in my Twitter mentions and okay. all that. No, 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 no. You probably I, have. I, it right. I yeah. think that existed. Okay. Um, all right. You know, even beyond what you're saying about you know happy that the okay. Seahawks didn't pony up and pay that contract. Brady Henderson, ESPN.com, Seahawks Insider. Give me uh, give me a thought or two on Quandre Diggs and Dwayne Brown. They have what are, are we calling them? Sit-ins, hold-ins. I don't know what they call them, but 
I think the term now is hold in. Hold yeah. So mean, okay. meaning a guy shows up to training camp, thereby avoiding the forty thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollar daily fines that they would incur by not being there at training camp, but they're not practicing to a protect themselves from injury and also to kind of make life life difficult on the team, make a little statement as Pete Carroll has called it. And uh, we knew that that. Uh, Jamal, or sorry, we knew that Dwayne Brown was doing that since the start of camp. Jamal Adams was doing the same thing. And then at the start of last week, uh, Quandre Diggs started doing as well, not practicing. And, and that may have snuck up on a lot of people, but that situation had been brewing for a while. The Seahawks knew that he was unhappy. He has been unhappy for a while about his contract, and he is just now starting to force the issue. So we'll see this week if he practices. He did take part in pregame warmups uh, Saturday night. You're talking for about whatever. Diggs now. Not Brown. Diggs. Diggs. Yeah, we're talking Brown. about Diggs now. Okay. Diggs right. took part in, in, in pregame warm-up Saturday night. Pete Carroll said that, uh, you know, we'll see if he practices this week. Sounds like they had a good conversation where both sides uh, heard the other side out. And, you know, I think that we know that the Seahawks do not want to give Dwayne Brown a new deal right now. It's not clear what they want to do with Diggs. If they do, then let's just look at the safety market. Uh, Marcus Williams is a safety for the Saints he has not made a Pro Bowl. He's on a $10 million and change franchise tag. Same with Marcus May with the Jets, has not made a Pro Bowl. Jordan Poyer with the Bills makes a little under $10 million. He has not made a Pro Bowl. So I think if you look at what what Diggs is going to want coming off a Pro Bowl season, it's probably north of $10 million. And if the Seahawks, you know, if, if they're at this point in late August, uh, early September, and they have not done a deal yet, then that kind of tells me that the Seahawks don't want to pay him. And I wonder if they just feel like, $10 million, if that's the if that's the price, then then that's just too much in their eyes. So do you think that Dwayne Brown and Quandre Diggs will be in the lineup? Will they forego paychecks if they don't get something thrown to them? Will they be in the lineup in Indianapolis in a couple Sundays? My, my sense with Diggs, just from, from what I've heard uh, behind the scenes and, and what I've observed from him and also what I heard Pete Carroll say Saturday night, it would lead me to believe that there is not a huge concern that he's not going to be out there. In other words, okay. that, that they think he's going to be out there. Yeah. But I don't think that's the case with Brown. I, I, don't, I, I think that that is very much up in the air. I don't think Russell Wilson knows. Uh, I don't think the Seahawks know, and meaning the front office. I don't think they, they know for sure if he's going to be out there. It's obviously a lot of money that, that he would be willing to miss. A lot. Uh, or, you know. But he's done it before, albeit under different circumstances in Houston, and it just does, it sounds like like there's a lot of uncertainty so, as to whether yes or not he's going to no. be out there. Yes or no? Stick your neck out. Yes or no? On yes, him. I think he will be, but yep. Yep. I th- I think he's going to make him sweat. And Joe, just for the record, because I just heard the description from from Brady about how to avoid a fifty thousand dollar fine. If back in my KJR days, I had reported every morning at six a.m. but refused to go on the air. Just, just went to the office and said, I'm here, but I'm refusing to perform for the next four hours. Would I have been okay under my contract, too? Because I'm, that's, Yeah, no, that's probably what, not. That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing you can, go to, you can report to work, refuse to work, refuse to practice, but you can, just as long as you report, you're fine and under, under contract. I know, but we're talking about practice now. Okay. Right. We're talking about practice. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. Practice. All right. Joe, open-ended here. Bullet point observations, either from the Chargers game or overall, where you think the Seahawks are at the very moment. I wouldn't say this is going to be a boring answer. I don't think my opinion has changed on the team since training camp started. I think this is a team that uh, if Shane Waldron turns out to be the guy and if Russell Wilson gets back on track, this offense should be, it should be expected to be, 
a top three unit in the NFL. That's how good they are, especially if D. Eskridge is healthy again. That, to me, I would say D. Eskridge showing that he's healthy. He played in a game, made a couple plays. I think that's a reason for optimism. I think Daryl Taylor's a huge reason for optimism. You look at what this offense has at its disposal, and now it's obviously the big question mark of do you have your star left tackle there um, because the big difference between Dwayne Brown, Jamarco Jones, and Stone Forsyth. But just the absolute gluttony of talent at the skill player spots with Chris Carson, Russell Wilson, uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, D. Eskridge, Colby Parkinson when he gets back, Gerald Everett, Will Disley. I mean, they are loaded. And so Shane Waldron's got an absolute, you know, again, juggernaut on his hands that if he is the right guy, this offense will be one of the best in football and, and will carry the defense to a degree in which I think, again, they can get where they want to go. And it's going to be a really tough division. Obviously, we know that. But um, I am bullish on this Seahawks team. I think they, they are very capable, um, you know, should those, you know, the, 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 the Russell Wilson, Shane Waldron uh, relationship be as good as we expect it to be. Brady? Yeah, I am too. I don't think there's any reason why they should not compete for the NFC, champ- NFC West Championship and, uh, and, and same for the NFC Championship for that matter. I just wonder if this team might be, might have a slow start in it and I say that for a couple reasons one the offensive line situation being what it is you don't know if the Dwayne Brown hold in is going to drag out into the season you don't know what the center play is going to look like and just the offensive line as a whole because Brown has not been out there because they were mixing uh, shuffling guys you know with a competition at right tackle the same thing at center that offensive line by the time the season starts it's possible they will not have had a single snap together as a starting five and maybe not even very many with the four guys aside from Dwayne Brown. So I could see it taking some time for those guys to, to find their footing together into jail. I could see the same thing happening with Shane Waldron. Remember for as, as excited as everybody is about Shane Waldron and rightfully so, because I think this offense's potential is, is very high, but he's a first time play caller. And I think anybody who's ever called plays in the NFL would probably tell you that there's a learning curve there. And, uh, you know, he was doing it and in, in I think he maybe did it a little bit in the preseason for the Rams, but has never really done it uh, with any consistency in the NFL. I, he may have had a, a stop in some small college in 2011 where he did it, but he is a first-time play caller, and I just wonder if there's going to be some growing pains for Shane yeah. Waldron. Joe, I'm on record as saying I don't mind defensive players sitting out the preseason and never being out there because defensive players, for the most part, play on – aggressiveness and instinct and and but when it comes to a new offensive coordinator a new offensive line to not have those guys even go out for a series I mean I understand what they're trying to do they're trying to make sure everybody is really healthy on a 17 game schedule I get it but boy I'm uneasy with Russell Wilson and the offensive line and the receivers and the tight end not just going out there for a series or two just to get some chemistry and some rhythm. I'm very interested to see what they look like offensively in the first half of the game against the Indianapolis Colts. I just don't think the upside justifies it. There's such an egregious downside should someone go down and get hurt that is one series or two series really making that much of a difference to where, oh, now there's no rust come week one. Uh, against the Colts. So why has why has anybody played in the preseason for the last 15 years? Why oh, yeah. why did Russell Wilson take any snaps last year? Why would any team play any 
first stringers in the preseason. A lot of teams do. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks going into this season without taking a single snap okay. during the preseason. Uh, Sean McVay is notorious for not playing anybody. Uh, he's a brand new quarterback with a brand new, you know, new system. Okay. You think the same logic would apply that you'd want to get him in there and get him some looks. Um, the Rams opted not to do that. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I wouldn't tell you that you're wrong to feel that way. It's just not a hill I feel like I, I would die on because I just, again, I don't think there's enough upside to, to where it would really change things. Okay. Yeah, the explanation from Pete Carroll, you know, when we asked him about this Saturday night after the third preseason game, and he said, you know, they wanted to, I think he said, they wanted to maximize the evaluations that they had on the guys that they knew that they would have to make decisions on in terms of whether or not they were going to make the team or whether or not they were going to start. And I think he, he said he also wanted to, to get the backups as, as much seasoning so that they're as ready as possible. Now, left unsaid there was... I imagine that they didn't want to stick Russell Wilson behind a second, third, or fourth string left tackle. So I, I imagine that that situation played into it to some degree. And yeah, I, I was a little surprised that even then they didn't get Russell and DK and Tyler Lockett at least a, a few snaps in the preseason. And I wonder if, if maybe their thinking is whatever they're losing in not getting those guys some live game reps in the preseason, maybe they're gaining by maintaining the element of surprise because I don't think, you know, with with Alex Magoo and Sean Mannion and Geno Smith, I really don't think that they were running the offense that we're going to see week one in Indianapolis. I think they were keeping a lot of it back and maybe they felt like not having some of the top guys out there, they can they can maintain the element of surprise. Okay. All right, well, well, we'll wait and see, and we'll talk to you guys as we approach the Indianapolis Colts game, Seahawks and Colts, in the uh, in the season opener. Brady Anderson, follow him on Twitter, read his work on ESPN, the ESPN.com Seahawks Insider. Thank you, Brady. Thank you. And Joe Fan, we look forward to this Wednesday hearing where and when, but we're all relieved that you're going to continue to be one-sixth of the Seahawks no table here on Mitch Unfiltered. We're I'll take ready. my 25%. You can't take it back. <laughs> it's my quarter. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, guys. Hey, it's financial trivia time with Katie Versio, senior financial planner for our partner at Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back. I think I may have embarrassed myself with an 0 for 3 performance the last time. I'm ready to do better. Is there a theme to this? Yes, the theme today, it's a mid-year market update. I figured it'd be good to just check in. There's been a lot of movement and just see where things are. Okay, I'm ready. Question number one. All right, let's see how closely you've been paying attention to the market. The first one is an easy one. It's a true or false. Value stocks are outperforming growth stocks this year. I'll say true. Ding, ding, ding. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for the last... 10 years or so, growth has really outperformed. Those names like Amazon, Facebook, Google have really been doing well. And this year we've seen a little bit of a trend reversal. Some of those tech names have struggled earlier this year and value has outperformed. Okay, question number two, I'm one for one. All right, so the next one is about inflation. So this is a very hot topic in the market today. What is the current one year inflation rate from June 2020 to June 2021. So how much have the cost of goods and services in the economy grown over that one year period? Is it 1%, 2.5%, 4.6% or 5.4%? Clearly it's over four. The question is, is it over five? I'll go C, 
four point, what was it, 4.6% I think he gave me in C. Yes, yeah, so that's actually incorrect. Uh, it's D, 5.4%. So this is a huge number. It hasn't been seen since 2008. Costs and goods and services have really been increasing. This is a big trend that our investment team is watching and we're really have been over the last six months or so repositioning portfolios to adjust for this new trend we're seeing. All right, still a chance for me to go 667, Katie. Lay number three on me. In 2021, what's the best performing asset class so far? Is it real estate investment trusts, energy, large cap stocks, or financial stocks? Well, I think it's large cap stocks. Is that not right? I'm sorry, Mitch. That is incorrect. Oh. Most years, it is large cap stocks, and all of these asset classes have performed well, but the top performing asset class is energy this year. It's up over 40%. I'm sure... Your listeners probably experience that when they go to get gas. We sure do. Well, 0 for 3 last time, 1 for 3. I'm moving in the right direction. We love Katie Versio. We love Evergreen Golf Call. Everything wealth. Unfiltered. Zachary Stern pops up a bun, and Jones hangs on to it, colliding with Wheeler. One down in the air, shallow left. Tian makes the play, and Jones is one out away. His first pitch in the air from Brancaleone. Tian in left, it's a no hitter. Eli Jones has done it. Well, the Little League World Series unfortunately concludes without our hometown heroes from East Lake Little League in Sammamish. A valiant effort by the good guys in Williamsport, though. Here's the coach of that group, Rich Todd. How are you, Rich? Things back to normal yet? Well, trying to, right? Trying to acclimate after, you know, one of my uh, assistant coaches said it best. He says, man, he goes, this, this real-life stuff sucks. We want the, the ESPN. We want the ESPN life. <laughs> Nobody's micing me up in the morning. Oh. You know? It, it's it's great. It's a bummer that it came to an end, but um, after the last game, there's just a little bit of that relief that, that you do get about like, hey, the everyday grind is gone, and now it's uh, time to relax and enjoy, enjoy just uh, the rest of the summer that we have left. You know, I should start by saying, Rich, that I grew up in Florida rooting against a Jets quarterback named Richard Todd. So, Rich Todd, so, yeah. So, so, I'm, so I'm glad I finally found a Rich Todd that I like. I'll just say that before we even begin. Uh, okay, so tell me, how did the boys – how long did it take for the boys to bounce back? I saw a fun picture of you guys after the final loss. Maybe it was a few hours after the final loss. These guys, they bounce back quickly, don't they? Oh, they do. They're very resilient. I think even more so than probably the parents and coaches about it. You know, these are kids, and they're they're there to have fun. So, yeah, were, were they a little bit bummed? They they were bummed, but you can also within them you could you could kind of see that it was a grind for them as well. And once they knew that you know the the pressure of being on TV, playing in front of a lot of people mm-hmm. was over. I, I mean, realistically, it took them no more than just a couple hours to, to get smiles back on their faces and um, just realize that what they had, what they had accomplished. And, uh, you know, I think it was a real special thing for everyone else as well. Rich, go back to the beginning. The all-stars are picked. You start gearing up for a district tournament in Mercer Island. I was actually there for one day while you guys were playing the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Do you know 
right away that you may have something special? Can you sense it? And if you can, what is the key? Uh, I had kids who played Little League Baseball. What's the key that separates one good team from, from another really good one? Is it the one guy that you know you can put out on the mound and will dominate and, and bring you home a victory? I think, I think, yes, it is a little bit of that. You know, having, knowing you have a horse like the Eli Jones, right, to be able to really come in and dominate or at least shut down an inning where, you know, the other team in the opposition may be on a rally and then have him come in and then you just end that rally right there. And then that's definitely one of the key components that we had for some of our success. You know, I I think if I kind of just think back to the very beginning where, you know, we have the team, um, you know, Eli was on my little league team, so, you know, I already knew his ability. But collectively getting them together, going out to practice and thinking to yourself, wow, these kids are pretty good, you know. Um, And then we had our first warm-up tournament that we ended up winning against some really strong teams. And so it was at that time that I realized that, well, you know what? we got a chance at maybe going to state, you know, but I had never at that point in time even thought to myself, oh, we'll be playing, you know, in Williamsport at the end of all of this. We also come to the point where, you know, in our district tournament, we had had that loss against Mercer Island, right? And um, and right there, that's, that was humbling, right? Very humbling. And I think just from that loss, we learned so much about ourselves and that we could actually get back up on that horse and, and ride again. And, and come back. And so even if I, after our loss within, uh, against uh, uh, Texas, you know, that was, that was key in having that early loss with, with Mercer Island just because we knew that we could get back and we knew we could win that next game, which we ended up doing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, these kids were special right off the bat for sure. And that loss to Mercer Island also tells the Mercer Island kids, look how close we were. Look, uh, right, we, we, yeah. be, we beat Eastlake and they're on TV on ESPN playing in the Little League World Series. That's how that's how good of a ball club we have. Absolutely. And, they, and the Mercer Island, Mercer Island team should feel very proud of the fact of how they played. Right. The last game that we played in in the championship game was, I think, 11 to 10. And so they were just as close to doing exactly what we would have done. I think there were several teams, even in our district, that would have fared well. Uh, you know, the district that we were in, District 9, is a pretty tough district along with, you know, there's other districts in, in the state of Washington too. But yeah. I guess I kind of expected at regional and, 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 and other, uh, even in the state, that there, there would have been teams that would have just blown us out of the water, right? Surprising just how, how competitive all the, all the teams within District 9 really were. Yeah. So, Rich, you lost the first and third games with that terrific no-hitter by Eli sandwiched in the middle. <coughs> but you're... But you're one run down in each of the two losses in the last inning. Uh, now that you've gotten home, do you have any, I don't know, what could have been itis? <laughs> you know, not really. I think, I think the big thing is, is that I look at the way that we hit within our districts and state, and our kids just didn't hit very well when it came to regionals and uh, regionals and also the Little League World Series. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a combination of things, too. It's, it's the grind. It's the not having your, your traditional batting practice that you would normally have, you know, in districts and states. And so, you know, I, th- I, think, I think it just wore on them a little bit. And, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't uh, put the bat on the ball as, as well as we did in, in districts and states. To answer your question, it, no, I, don't, I actually don't have any, you know, what could have, should have, what would yeah. have done. Yeah. Um, you just can't win. You, you can't win ball games when you only have two or three hits a game. Right. That's the bottom line. Right. And we just unfortunately didn't do it. Well, look at the bright side. You didn't have to face Gavin Weir. <laughs> Man, that kid. Can run. Let me let me tell you this. Yeah. There were several things. There were times where we go to the batting cages, right? When you'd have all these teams there, um, you know, four teams at a time, 
And there were certain, there were certain, there was a Gavin Weir. He would do a bullpen yeah. in, in the cages. And I just remember he got up there and was doing a bullpen and everybody just kind of stopped and turned and looked and was like, Holy oh God. God, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and same thing with Eli Jones. You know, once I saw that Gavin Weir did that and how the, the way that the other teams kind of responded to him, I did the same thing with Eli. I was like, Eli, get up there. You got to, this intimidation factor is working because <laughs> man. And I will say the other thing too is, is Hawaii's hitting was unparalleled. I mean, uncanny. It was people again, just like when Weir or Eli would get up on the mound and do a bullpen, when they started hitting, it was like the same hitter over and over with the same swing just rocket after rocket, yeah. shot after shot in the cages. Yeah. And uh, people would honestly just like stop what they're doing and just watch That's those amazing. kids hit. That's amazing. So, I mean, it was, a, <laughs> it was a lot of fun uh, to be able to watch all that talent, you know, the Gavin Weir and uh, the Eli Jones of the bunches. Hey, Rich, tell us about some of the experiences that a lot of our listeners didn't see. Like meeting, like meeting big leaguers. I know Trout was hanging around. Shohei was yeah. hanging around and the time away from the fields, what you guys were doing as a team in between games and in between days. Yeah. So some of the, you know, people have asked me, what were some of your best memories of little league world series? And obviously playing the games is one thing, but, um, but I'd have to say my two most favorite times were one when they did the ESPN um, uh, video recordings or, or when they took yeah. the kids and they made the, the small little, yeah. video clips. And that was something special. And, you know, I, I even have some, some behind the scenes footage of the kids, you know, <laughs> acting it out, you know, and, and, and you should try to get a 12 year old to be able to, you know, get up there and perform when they didn't really have anything rehearsed or anything it was, it was funny, you know, trying to get the creative side of these kids out there and they did a, such an amazing and great job. But to see that actually in action and how they did that um, was phenomenal. That was a very special time for these kids and even myself to watch that a lot of funny stuff that, that came out of that. The other one is obviously, like you mentioned, just seeing the big leaguers, right? Watching my kids go out there and play wiffle ball with the Cleveland Indians, you know, <laughs> just like like a, a normal backyard <laughs> wiffle ball pickup game was phenomenal. Yeah. You're just like, it's surreal. You're like, I can't believe that our kids are playing wiffle ball with uh, Zach Plezak right now, right? Like that's, that's incredible. And, and, and meeting Mike Trout, I know my son Sawyer, that has been his all-time favorite player since he could even say words. And to be able to have a dream life, life dream come true of meeting, meeting Mike was absolutely amazing for these kids. So I'd have to say those two right there. As far as the, what else we did uh, to pass the time yeah, uh, was watch baseball games. You know, I mean, that was a big thing for our kids is to be able to just go out there and watch, you know, these kids because these kids become friends, right? Mm -hmm. They talk to each other. They see each other in the mess hall. And then once you get to know these players, you know, intimately and then going out there and watching them, you just felt like you were you're rooting for a friend or, or a family member. And so that was also really special wow. as well. You know, for just about all of you coaches, you guys are in Williamsport as both coaches and dads. How do you juggle? Is there any anything <laughs> anything about that combo that's difficult for you? Well, I think it is. Um, you know, it, it, it's difficult, but I think that us dads did, did a pretty good job of just letting our kids know that, hey, while we're here, it's more coach than dad. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you just the way I treat one of the other players. I think we did a pretty good job of that, mm -hmm. letting them know that the, that the kids don't have 
it would be unfair to the other kids to see that, you know, our kids got special treatment and, and yet they're there without their parents um, and they don't get that, that treatment. So, I mean, I think just, you know, establishing the rules that we're coaches first, you know, and in, 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 in uh, instances where you really need me, I'll be your dad, but really it's going to be the coach that you're going to get. I think is probably what we did and what we kind of established early on. I know that you're not there every year, but could you feel, you obviously could feel the absence of the international teams this year because of COVID. How do you think that changed the event? Well, just the the absence of the international teams there, that, that aspect of it, we didn't really know any better, right? Because like, as you just mentioned, us not having them there, we didn't have that, that, that comparison right, to base it off of. But, um, you know, in talking with the previous coaches from East Lake, um, both uh, Rob Chandler and, and Matt Skibbins, in uh, talking with them, it sounds like as though it was a def- definitely added a little bit of a flair, you know, having people from a different culture, right, that you interact with. And I think it, it definitely would have made it more enjoyable. But, you know, this was, this was a lot of fun. I can't complain. You know, we didn't really know that beforehand. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was a fun time, and I don't know that our kids – Knew what they were missing out on. Blue hair has grown out by now, or where are you on that? <laughs> oh, I'm still sporting it. I'm still sporting <laughs> it right now. It's, it's the only time in my life where it's going to be okay for me to do that. Right? Uh... I have a reason to. I show up, you know, three or four years from now, blue hair, and who knows what, what people are going to say and, and shoo me out or lock me up. Who knows? You know, uh... having a 46-year-old do that might not be okay later on. Well, I'll tell you this, you know, as just a dad, as somebody who lives in, in the state of Washington, as a dad of, of a District 9 couple of kids, I, uh, I appreciate what you guys did and what you guys accomplished. It's a, it's a terrific feat. You represented the state of Washington and the Northwest so very well. I can't wish you more congratulations and thank you for being on our show today. Thanks oh, so very much. Well, well, Thank you very much, and it was a pleasure to be able to represent uh, the Northwest and Washington in our district. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you, and thank you all out there who who helped support us um, and make this, you know, something that I think everybody could remember. Time to talk some pizza, beer, and salads with Zeke's president, Dan Black. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good, Mitch. Thanks. September is already here, believe it or not. How has the summer gone? Give us kind of a synopsis of what's going on at Zeke's. Summer's been good. You know, the the main theme there is people are out doing stuff. Our Belltown store, which is a block from the Space Needle, was active with tourists all summer. And so just seeing that kind of normalized activity out there has been great. I hear some huge news is coming down the pike. We've got the footprint south to north, Tacoma to Bellingham, but we're going east. I count 19 locations on the website. Tell us the exciting news about the eastern side of the state. Yeah, no, we just signed a deal in Spokane, so uh, we're excited to be doing a pretty major expansion in terms of geographic footprint and uh, really close to the GU campus over there. We're going to be packed for the Zags basketball games, which will be fun, and it's, uh, it's just a cool spot. Is Mark Few welcomed at that location, Dan? He is welcome. I'll give you a warning if he's there so, you, so that you don't have to show up. <laughs> Harvest season. What does that mean? It's coming for beer drinkers, Dan. Yeah, it means IPA drinkers are going to be happy. This time of year, we do what's called fresh hop beer. All the big breweries do fresh hop versions, mainly of their IPAs. And it's really good beer. And we'll, we're going to have a ton of IPAs, both on draft and in cans. And so, uh, including Lateral A, which is kind of our one of our more popular IPAs that you can only get at Zeke's. And so, people are excited about that. 
And what we learned during the pandemic is you can have that delivered to your door with the pizza. Yep, absolutely. They haven't rolled any of the laws back. So yeah, beer delivery is still going strong. And uh, like I say, people will be getting these fresh hop IPAs delivered soon. Zeke'sPizza.com or do the easy thing and download the Zeke's Pizza app like we do here in the Levy household. We love Zeke's Pizza. It's homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. And Salvi hits it well. Deep left center, and that ball is gone! A Salvador Perez grand slam! And the Royals take the lead, 5-4! to four. High fly ball, deep right field! That's got a chance! Giddy up! Gone! Mariners lead it 2-1 on the home run by Darren Kelnick, his seventh of the season. Well, it was going so well for the Seattle Mariners and then a Kansas City Royals team that I want to say was 14 games under 500 came in to the Northwest for a visit. Four games later, the M's find themselves losing three of four. They're now five back in the wild card situation. And Corey Brock, our friend from The Athletic, who does a great job of covering the Mariners for us and for The Athletic. Corey, thank you very much for being back with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mitch. So they used the long ball on Sunday, and they squeezed out a win. How many runners did they strand over those four games? Corey, did I see on Twitter? I lost track at like 33. That was going into (laughs) Sunday's game, so I stopped counting. Uh I think it's uh, 39 or 40 runners in a four-game series where they lost two games by two runs and one game by one run. So that doesn't feel very good, does it? No, but it also shows that, you know, you know, for a team that had been coming up big late in games, getting some clutch hits and all that, you know, they were still putting runners on base. And, you know, I would draw a stark contrast to what we saw from this group in May when they were no hit twice where yeah. they couldn't scratch together a couple hits to save their lives. So getting guys on base just couldn't get that big hit to get over the top. But I think finishing Sunday with a win, uh, was a nice uh, a nice touch, especially with the Astros coming to town. The two the two pieces of good news from Sunday, and we'll get to Jared Koenig on a more grand topic here in a moment, but the two pieces of really good news, you've got Marco Gonzalez, who seems to have figured something out in the last month after an horrendous first several months of the season, and you get a Jared Koenig home run that figured to be very critical in the Mariners' win on Sunday. Two very good pieces of news for the M's. Yeah, and what a fabulous month for Marco Gonzalez, Mitch. You know, this is a guy that got off to a little bit of a rough start. He was on the injured list for a while, then missed some time when uh, his wife gave birth to their first baby. Um, But he's been able to go out every five days, settle into a rhythm, and really been fastball-reliant and good about going after hitters. You know, this isn't the guy that throws, you know, exceptionally hard, but he's been getting the ball inside on right-handed hitters quite a bit during this stretch and uh, breaking out that cutter, which is still a very good pitch for him. So it's been a a very good run, gave up the two long balls on Sunday. But other than that, he's been fabulous. Before we get to Jared Koenig, 30, I think I count 31 games to go, Corey. And as I said, I I think they're five back in the loss column of wild card number two. That seems like not an insurmountable deficit, but certainly for a team that's been outscored by about 60 runs this season, I I don't have 
an encouraging feeling that they're going to be able to make up five games in 31. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's going to be tough sledding. And again, I think you're going to have to, in addition to playing exceptionally well over this last stretch, Mitch, you're going to have to rely on maybe some of these other teams to kind of hit the skids a little bit. And uh, maybe a few things really have to conspire for the Mariners to be, let's say, playing uh, really, really important games in that final week of the season. So, but, you know, I, I will say this. I thought at the start of the year, I thought the, it was important for this club, uh, given where they are in their rebuild, to be playing meaningful games in August and September. Well, they certainly did in August, and they've set themselves up, no matter what happened over the past weekend, to be playing meaningful games in September. So I, I think things are moving along nicely. I never really thought the playoffs were realistic. But, you know, lo and behold, here they are, and if they get hot – um, you know, we'll see what can happen. But, you know, the starting pitching, by and large, has been pretty good. The bullpen's been good. And, boy, Ty France just continues to hit. So you're right. They're going to play meaningful games in the month of of August and September. But let me give you the flip side to that and get your thoughts on this. I think their run differential is something like negative 60. And they're, I don't know what they are, eight or nine games now. I think nine games over 500. The Washington Nationals have a run differential of 57, negative 57, and they're 19 games under 500. So if they do finish the year over 500 but fail to make the postseason, how will we view how close this team really is when they've been outscored by so many? Corey. Well, I, I think at the end of the day that Mitch, the wins and losses still trump the run differential. And the way, you know, I look at the run differential and I know that Scott services joked about it, calling it, uh, you know, they've chosen to focus on the fun differential yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this group by and large has been fun to watch. They've moved the needle a little bit. I think fans are coming back around and if they finish above 500, given where they, you know, they were as recently as 2019 and then last year, I still look at this as, uh, you know, a success, especially if you feel like uh, the, some of the young players you have are trending in the right direction. Um, and certainly I think this winter is going to be a pivotal winter for this team in terms of augmenting the roster. But, yeah, if they can hang around to that final week and they finish with a record above 500, uh, you know, I, I think that's a, uh, you know, it, it's a win. It's, a, you know, maybe rose-colored, rose-tinted win for the season, but I, I think they're still marching in the right direction with the one caveat, Mitch, that next year it has to happen. Well, well, well I'll, I'll grant you that it's a win. I, I will grant you that it's a successful season. I don't think that anybody, well, maybe the, the greatest skeptic and cynic would say it's not a successful season, but I think most nine out of 10 would say, okay, success. But I guess the better question to articulate is how close do you think they'd actually be? If they if they finished six, seven, eight games over 500 and they went to the uh, the offseason, is it fool's gold to believe they're one or two players away from being in the postseason? Yes, it is, and uh, hopefully, I mean, these guys are smart. They know what they're doing, and they're not going to. They understand where they are in the makeup of the roster, and that they have to augment, and they have to augment more than one or two guys, Mitch. Like you said, I mean, there's still you know some considerable pieces missing here. I think they need to go out and find a top flight starter, not a number one necessarily, but they need to find a right-handed productive bat. 
you know, I think a lot about Marcus Simeon, the second baseman for the Blue Jays, who will be a, a free agent. They're going to have to spend, and we know that they'll trade, and they still have some interesting pieces that they refuse to budge on at the trade deadline, and they could certainly revisit uh, moving some of those guys to get some win-now pieces. Yeah, but one or two pieces, no way. Yeah. They need to add more than that in order to get over the top. It was a great moment on Sunday for Jared Koenig, but the facts remain the same. 154 in July, Corey. A, a smidge over 200, I think, in August, maybe 210 in August. Where are you on Jared? And when, at, at what point do we start saying, all right, the, the sample set is large enough to start to wonder about day-to-day productivity. Yeah, I guess I'm curious what it ends up looking like at the end of the season. Although, you know, I think the improvement, it's been incremental. And sometimes it's honestly, it's been hard to see, Mitch. And there's been a couple step, steps back to take a step forward. And I think that's all part and parcel with being a young player, a 22-year-old, in the big leagues. And it just, again, goes to show that no matter what your prospect pedigree is, that when you get up here, man, it's a whole different ball game. And having success in the big leagues mm-hmm. is really, really tough. And he's found that out this year. And I think it's humbled him. I, but I also think he realizes now, um, you know, at least he's saying the right things that not every at bat is a life or death situation, um, that he's doing a little bit better job of compartmentalizing. Uh, at bat to at bat and moving ahead. Um, so we'll see where this takes him. I have to think, Mitch, uh, you know, that this uh, experience and play, especially playing in these tight games and winning these tight games and the home run he hit Sunday, um, that it, this will all benefit him in the long run. I guess time will tell. We do, we can't really say to be sure, but, you know, no matter what happens the rest of the way this year, I'm not, you know, he gets an incomplete on my report card because okay. I just don't know exactly what he's going to be yet other than this experience I have to think will have helped him Corey six or seven weeks ago whatever it was I sat in the chair that I'm sitting in talking to you watching Logan Gilbert pitch against the New York Yankees and like everybody else my jaw was on the floor watching this kid go through that order time and time again and I was just like oh my god this is going to be unbelievable the numbers since that start are incredibly disappointing. Eight starts since that game against the Yankees on July 8th, 37 and a third innings, 49 hits. He's given up 33 earned runs, Corey, in 37 innings, which means his ERA since the Yankee game is somewhere in the eights and nines. I don't want to I don't even want to do the math. I, I won't sleep tonight if I do the math. What's the explanation? Has he hit a wall? Have they figured him out? What's the explanation on Gilbert? Yeah, probably hasn't hit a wall. You know, I guess his innings are getting up there, but they've mapped this thing out uh pretty carefully in terms to uh having him uh, you know, be fresh in September, especially given, you know, he didn't pitch any innings last year because there was no minor league season. But I don't see the fatigue show up in terms of his stuff or his velocity. I just think it's, a, you know, it's a hard lesson in what happens when you don't execute your pitches and you leave uh, quality pitches or you leave pitches, in you know, in the heart of the plate. Um, you don't rely on your secondaries or you don't show them early enough. Um, I think it's all sort of, part of the maturation process. And I guess if you had to ask me what their young guys in terms of level of concern moving forward, um, you know, I I feel, I guess I feel a little bit more convicted about Logan Gilbert moving forward than I do 
Jared Kelnick. Maybe not by a lot, but just because, you know, I saw that Yankee start, uh, Mitch, and that was one of the most electric starts in this ballpark in a long time. And that minor league track record uh, is just too good uh, for me to believe that this isn't going to work up here over the you know the course of his career. But, yeah, he's definitely hit some speed bumps here, and these hitters have sort of figured him out. So now it's incumbent upon him to readjust and maybe uh, mix up his arsenal a little bit more, show the changeup, throw the slider early in the count, and not be so fastball reliant. Let me ask you about two last guys, and I'll let you go. Corey Brock of The Athletic covers the Mariners as, as well as anybody. Follow him on Twitter. Great bounce-back season for Hanniger. Uh, he's been the, the subject of rumors and speculation since the season began as the trading deadline came and went. I guess they got one more year, is that right, of club control on him, even though yeah. this is the final yeah. year of his contract. What, what do you do? What do you do, Corey, with, uh, with Hanniger during the offseason? You, you extend him? You trade him? You, you play the final year out and maybe move him at the deadline? What do you do? I think you play the final year out because, you know, you, you have your offseason to-do list is going to involve spending some money here. And I, I don't think it makes any sense at this point. You know, I think he's 30. And by no means is that over the hill in today's game, especially with the way he takes care of himself. But, yeah, I go ahead and just march forward status quo and sort of see things, uh, how they sort of develop. But, you know, especially since they don't have a ton of, you know, we talk about Julio Rodriguez being in double A, but we don't have, the Mariners don't have a lot of like major league ready outfielders knocking on the door. You need Mitch Hanniger. So, uh, but there's no, you know, real, real push to extend him at this point. Let's see what happens. I think that's the kind of the take that they're going to carry into next year. We've all walked into this season, 2021, Corey, just assuming that, Seager has played his, or is playing his final year. It's a swan song with the Mariners, and yet every time you turn around, I mean, the average isn't high, but he comes up with a big hit. I think he's now hit 31 homers after the big homer on Sunday. He's going to finish with between 30 and 40 homers with nearly 100 RBIs, if not more than 100 RBIs. So are we still of the opinion that he's playing his final season, this very popular Seattle Mariner? Yeah, I still kind of am, although, you know, I, I imagine, you know, it's still plausible that they could exercise that option, which is for $15 million, but could grow to $20 million with incentives um, because he's still a productive player. He's 33 years old, and I think against the landscape of what the roster looks like now, Mitch, with all these young guys, uh, it sort of feels like Kyle Seeger's a lot older than he is, but he's been very productive this year, and as you mentioned yeah, the average isn't where he would probably like it to be. Um, but, you know, he posts up every day. He's in the lineup every day, still plays good third base. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to uh, bring him back for next year. But you sort of have to look at the, you know, the balance and the, well, <laughs> the checkbook balance and right. sort of how much money's going out and how much is uh, where you could save uh, moving forward. But, yeah, I'm still a little bit of the opinion he won't be back, but – if he is, that wouldn't be a terrible thing by any means. Is there an obvious replacement for him at third in the organization right now, or do you have to go outside the organization to get a replacement? Well, I think it's Toro. I think it's Abraham okay. Toro, and okay. I think he was acquired for that reason. Okay. Um, and certainly uh, he doesn't have the power like Kyle does. But, he, you know, I think he's still growing into it. He's 24 years old, and he's a switch hitter uh, who could bounce around the infield. I think that's a very nice piece to have. 
All right, the Mariners are still chasing. They're still alive. They may not be well, but they're still alive. As we record this, nine games over 500, five back in the loss column of the wild card. Corey Brock is always kind to us for a word or two about the Mariners on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for being back with us. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Mitch. Thank you. You know, there's just no better place to celebrate special occasions than Daniels Broiler. And here's the CEO, Lindsey Schwartz. Hi, Lindsey. Hey, good to be back on. Let's start. The new downtown location, you're finally reopening it on a smaller level. Explain that to us. Yeah, finally. It's crazy to think. We've been closed for 15 months, but we feel like the time is right. Uh, there hasn't been a lot going on in downtown Seattle, but it's starting to pick up. So we're going to start small. We're just going to open the lounge Tuesdays through Saturdays. It opens at 4 o'clock, and we'll be doing our Bar Bites menus. It's got some steaks on there and drinks. And if you're downtown Seattle, come visit us. The Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle. And with that opening, now we've got job openings at all four restaurants, right? You need people, you need employees, and it runs the gamut for you guys. Yeah, and we're doing better. We've been getting staffed up, but we still definitely have openings at all four locations, all positions in the kitchens and the dining rooms, full-time, part-time, very flexible. So if you know anybody or if you're interested, please come on in and see us. I'm not a huge drinker, but this bourbon bash that you do every year gets a lot of play. I think this is going to be your 10th anniversary of the bourbon bash, and it's a pretty big thing, a pretty big deal for you guys each year. Yeah, that's right, and I'm excited that we're able to keep the streak going and get the 10th one in this year. Number nine was in March of 2020, right before everything got shut down. Now that this will be the first big event that we've done in a long time. So it's happening at Daniel's Bellevue on September 18th at 5 p.m. We've already sold a lot of tickets. We sold out our VIP tickets, but we have the uh, general admission tickets still available, but not too many. Special occasions, special events. And go to danielsbroiler.com if you'd like ticket information for the 10th annual Bourbon Bash at Daniel's Broiler World-Class Steakhouses. And without further ado, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, Sean Waterstrat, who also is the gracious title sponsor of all of our golf pools and the NFL's Beat the Boys competition, which is on the way back. John, how are you? Doing great. Thanks, Mitch, for having me on. Thanks for being back on. Summer's kind of getting away from us. We need to make decisions now. You're going to give us the reasons why. Fireplace season will be here before you know it. Yeah, we've been spoiled in the Northwest with this beautiful weather, but just around the corner, that cold chill will be out there, and uh, we want to get our houses ready for to keep us nice and cozy warm. With that being said, it's a good time to make decisions right now. The industry is a little bit variable. We're seeing lots of things go up and down, whether it's price or whether it's stock. So, you know, if you're ready to find that fireplace and ready to do this project, uh, let us know, and we'll get you on the schedule immediately so you can get it just in time for that cold chill. How many showrooms do you have these days? at Fireside Home Solutions up and down the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, we try to make it conveniently located for everyone. So we have our flagship store there in Bellevue. Love that store. Uh, our Kent store will be moving to Auburn. So we'll be having a nice grand opening, opening a new store in Tacoma. And then we have the two great stores in Portland over there in Beaverton and in Tualatin. We're ordering a new outdoor unit from you guys. And Brian was here just the other day helping. It's nice to go to the showroom. But what I love about you guys is your team 
comes to the home to develop the perfect strategy. Yes, we do, Mitch. And, and it's one of the benefits of going with Fireside. You can definitely come into one of our showrooms. If you don't have time, we can do in-home sales with you. But we're always going to come out to your house. We're going to have a great measurement done. Make sure we're talking the same language. Make mm -hmm. sure you're doing those final details. So when our installers get out there, they can get that fireplace installed and you can be enjoying it as soon as they get done. What's the lag time these days for units that you don't have in stock? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it can vary out there. Like we said, there's no better time than making a decision right now. Huh. Some things are taking up to six to sometimes 12 weeks. But uh, again, if you're looking at something that's in stock, we can get you done in two to three weeks. Fireside Home Solutions has been a terrific partner with all the great contests, and they are the best in the Northwest. If you're if you're in the market for a new fireplace, FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. Other stuff segment, episode 156, Hot Shot Scott. Am I going first? If you want, I've got a few too, whatever you want. I have a quick update you on wanna, You want to do a toss? Heads in the heads. Yeah, sure. Let's, heads, let's, let's do it. I don't have a clue. Okay. I have an update on a story that I did a while back. Do you remember the guy who lived with his parents in Michigan and then he moved and his parents threw away his adult video collection? Yes, I do. You really remember that? Okay. Yes. Well, there's there's been a ruling by a judge. Well, you got to remind everybody, what, 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 did he sue his parents? He sued his parents for throwing that whole collection of his away. Right. They, they said he, he said they had no right to throw out his collection of films, magazines, and other items. Yes. He lived at their Grand Haven home for 10 months after a divorce before moving to Muncie, Indiana. And you can imagine his surprise when he comes back to get his stuff. And it's not there. All gone. gone. Okay. A judge has ordered that the couple pay him. $30,000 wow. for getting rid of his pornography collection. Wow. U.S. District Judge Paul Maloney's decision this week came eight months after he won that lawsuit against his parents that I told you about. The, this part, I, I love this part. The judge followed the value set by an expert. MLLive.com reported. Now, we got to get whoever the expert was on the show. How did the judge come up with find, that number? Well, no, he didn't come up with it. The, the judge found an expert to come yeah, up yes, with Yes, yes, $30,000. How did he find Who was that person? Oh, that person knows. <laughs> who was an expert and could set that price? And by the way, so he, sold, so he sued his parents. Yeah, he sued him. He sued, sued his, his parents, parents yeah. for throwing out his yeah, porn. Who collection. let him live in the house for 10 months, probably. You know, probably didn't charge him rent, right? And th this is what they get. By the way, the, the total was $30,000, $30,441. So this person was really, really specific. specific. Oh, yeah. Very, very specific. God, How do that. I follow that? Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. It'll be fine. I don't know that it will be. I didn't know that I wanted to come I out was of the going game with to Sean one, Watson, but I don't think well, Deshaun Watson should be after that story. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> go ahead. They're saying Deshaun Watson's going to be traded between now and opening day. They're saying uh, the, the the more you read, the more you unless you unless it's all bullshit. And it yeah. could be all bullshit. They're saying the Miami Dolphins have have emerged now as the team Whoa. that's going to acquire Deshaun Watson. They even asked Brian Flores, the coach of the Dolphins, after their preseason game against Cincinnati on Sunday about it, and he didn't want to talk. I'm not talking about it. Yeah. I'm talking about current Miami Dolphins. Somebody said, are you willing to say right now, are you comfortable in saying that you're not interested in Deshaun Watson? One of the members, a nice, nice question. Yeah. And he was like, I'm interested in talking about the Miami, the current Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. They want three number ones and two, and two number twos. 
And <laughs> you're already salivating at the thought of it. <laughs> I don't even know. I, before, I used to want this to happen. Right. As a Dolphins fan, sure. I used to want this to happen. And then he got in trouble, and he's got 22 of these yeah. things hanging over him, and two has looked pretty good. And I don't know about three number ones and two yeah. number twos, but I, I don't I don't know. Do I want to Do I want to root for a team that has him at the court? I, I, I got a lot True. of things going on in my head, and all I get is a guy suing his parents over freaking <laughs> his porn collection. That's right. I get no help from you, so I don't know what I want to happen. But the it, wherever you read, crazy. there have been all kinds of reports this past weekend that the Dolphins have emerged as the clear front. That Carolina, David Tepper is the owner of Carolina, okay. has settled in on Sam Darnold. They're okay with right. Sam Darnold, and they've kind of withdrawn a little bit. And the Dolphins are in hot pursuit of Deshaun Watson, even though two has looked really good in the preseason. I think he's looked pretty good in the preseason, but I don't know. Three number ones and two number twos. They're not going to give up three okay, number that, ones and three no, two number twos. They're and, not do that. and Tua? I, no, they're not going to do that. Right, okay. And I plus, wouldn't. the guy may never play. That's plus, right. He may, when he arrives at Miami International Airport, he may get off the plane at the gate, and there could be a memo waiting for him. You right. have been suspended for two years by the NFL. Right. Now who's your quarterback? If two, <laughs> if two is gone, and so I don't know what to think about all this. Yeah, it's risky, but I mean, that's why I was wondering. You'd think his price would go down, but yeah. But you're saying they're not going to do the the three firsts and all that. I can't imagine they're going to give three first right. round draft choices and two number twos and Tua right. for Deshaun with Watt. that hanging over his head with the potential of him not not playing. playing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm curious to see what happens. I'm, I'm that, confused. That. It I don't is know confusing. All right, I thought this was cute. L.A. Clippers rookie Jason Preston. Yep. He made his first big purchase after becoming a pro baller. Yep. It's not a house or a car, but yep. a new iPhone. He was 22 years old, and he had the iPhone 7. <laughs> now, he's all excited that he you know, he signed a three-year, $4.4 million deal, million-dollar deal. Yeah. And his big purchase, he said, he's got, I got the iPhone 12 now, and he couldn't be happier, so I love it. Yeah, you don't need a Lamborghini, kid. Just, you know, a nice little $1,000. Exactly. You know, he was things. rocking an iPhone 7. God. Uh, college football uh, hot shot took center stage. Well, it didn't take center stage, but it got underway this past weekend. Yes. A couple of games, actually more than a couple of games. UCLA 44, Hawaii 10. The Pac-12 is back. Ooh, yes, they are. <laughs> Put UCLA in the final four in the national championship series right now. Right. They've got a guy named Zach Charbonnet. I love French names. Oh, you do? Yeah, three touchdowns. Running okay. back Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet, okay. Yeah, Charbonnet. C-H-A-R-B-O-N-N-E-T. Okay. Zach Charbonnet. They've got, uh, you got Nebraska losing in their opening game to Illinois. It's just gone from bad to worse. Do you remember when Scott Frost, former Nebraska yeah. quarterback, was the coach of Central Florida, oh. taking his team to like 11 or 12? He was the hottest coach in the, the world. The hottest thing going. And Nebraska's his alma mater, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it was like a match made in heaven. Yeah, dream come true. Now they can't get rid of him fast enough. <laughs> That's so People awesome. want him out. I mean, he's like 40 games under five. He can't, they can't win a game. Crazy. And not only can they not win a game, they like, they like give games away. They go back and field punts at the one-yard line and then drop them. Oh, they, they're God. like the bad freaking news bears. So they, they look like they're poorly coached yeah. as well. I saw one very funny tweet from somebody who looked really young. I don't know. It was retweeted like a billion times. Some 18-year-old. Has Nebraska ever been good at football oh. with a question mark? They were a powerhouse like my whole entire life, like up until what? I'm 35 or so. I mean, they can't a win a game. Some say the greatest college football team of all time was the Nebraska team, that 95 team. 
with uh, Tommy Frazier. Yeah. Like, they're always in the hunt for the greatest college football team. They were always good with the like, running. Tom the wish Osborne. Ball. Yeah, wish The Fumble Ruski. Do you remember the Fumble Ruski? Yes, yes. Where the center would leave the ball for, like, the guard to come by. Yeah, and pick Amon it up and Green. Who was the other running oh, back that had gotten sure. into some trouble? He was... Mike Rogier won the Heisman, I think. No, maybe he didn't. Yes, he did. I think he did. I think yeah. he did, yeah. I'm thinking of Lawrence Phillips. Lo- oh, boy, was he good. Former Miami Dolphin Lawrence Phillips. That's right. I mean, year after year, they'd have these tailbacks that were just amazing. Yeah, Mike Rozier was really good, but he ran into a an upstart program in the Orange Bowl one year. They were number one in the country. I can't remember. <laughs> can't quite. What year was this? This was like. 88? This was like Howard Schnellenberger oh, was earlier. the coach of the other team. I'm trying to remember that other team. Yeah. I think there was a guy named. I want to say Bernie Co- Coser. Something like that. Something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, when are they going to return to prominence, by the way? Oh, every year. I, 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 I miss Nebraska being good. I miss Miami being good. I miss the Huskies being good. They were great in 91, Miami. Go ahead. You're, you're, you're up. <laughs> I saw your shot on Twitter. <laughs> it, 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 didn't, it didn't go unnoticed. All right. All right. We've talked about Evander Kane, the hockey player. He was yes. accused of betting on games. Yes, yes. Throw. He was accused by his wife. That's no? right. Is that the way we No, he was accused by his wife. By his wife of throwing games. Forget betting games. Throwing That's right. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, this is continuing yeah. to get uglier. Yeah. So he's accusing now that same estranged wife of being a husband beater, claiming the woman has punched him in the face multiple times in the past, and now he's obtained a domestic violence temporary restraining over it all. He, there's like five or six different instances that that he stated where she's just punched wow. him in the face and beat on him. So this is, I was kind of wondering why she was so nasty to him. Yes. The whole bit. Yeah. It feels like this is just going to get worse and worse. So he, by the way, he denied ever gambling on hockey has. games and better. Yeah. Says he's been a great father. Who's making yeah. every effort to see his kids. So I'll keep an eye on this. This is going to get ugly. Stump the band. You want to play a little stump the band? I do. Name the female athlete, the ladies athlete in 2021. That's made the most money. Da, 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 da. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you the amount. That's some hint. It's a great hint. Simone Biles. $52.5 million. Highest paid women's athlete in 2021. Is it tennis? I'm not telling you. Naomi Osaka. You got it. Thank you so much. $52.5 million. Wow. And she doesn't play. Doesn't play and no. won't do interviews and just sits <laughs> home and Netflix comes makes, over. Makes and Netflix specials. Makes Steve Dion crazy for not, not oh doing God. interviews. He hates her. Oh, he does. Yeah. Can't stand her. Yeah. 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 That's $52 million. $52.5 million. The highest paid female Ooh. women's athlete in 2021 will be um, Naomi Osaka. There's your stump the band question of the day. And I got it right. Impressive. I'm okay. very impressive, aren't I? Well, you should It's be. not often you see JFK making the headlines for alleged behavior. 80- JFK? <laughs> The former president, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 83-year-old, 83-year-old Diana DeVe, I don't know how to say her last name. DeVe. De- detailed the, the romance she claims started up in 1958. This woman's still alive, and now she's calling JFK out for cheating on his wife when she was 20. He was still a U.S. senator and carried on for four years into his presidency until 1962. This, this relationship kept going until 1960, a year before he was assassinated. Mm. And she's coming out now essentially saying... How old is she these days? I just said 83-year-old yeah. Diana DeVe. I don't yeah. know how to say it. DeVe. Yes, V-E-G-H. Sounds, sounds like a French name. I told you I love French names. It might be. Yeah, so he, she said Jack approached her at a political event while she was still a student at Radcliffe College, and they started hooking up soon after that, supposedly either at his Boston apartment or at the Carlisle Hotel in New York City. 
Yeah. And then he just kind of pushed her to the back burner. But she's coming out now because of the Me Too movement and yeah. men using their power. But yeah. this was like Jeff Case in the headlines that were dragging him through it now for yes. shit he did. Yes, you are. By the way, speaking of the Kennedys, you see who is one step closer to getting out of prison. You remember who killed Robert F. Kennedy for Stump the Band? Sirhan, Sirhan. There you go. He's just been granted parole. Ooh. Now he got the news. On what grounds? Well, the parole board just decides that he's rehabilitated and that you can get out. Now, he's been granted parole, but it's going to be a while longer before he just walks out of the prison. There's still a few hurdles, including... Didn't even know he's still alive. An 150-day review period. What a guest he wasn't still alive. And the uh, possibility the governor could overrule the parole board's decision. Now, do you remember who subdued and disarmed him? We've talked about this. A couple of famous names in there. Well, more than one. Rafer Johnson. Yeah. Remember the gold medalist, Rafer sure, Johnson? Sure, yeah. And former pro football player, Rosie Greer. Oh, we love Rosie one Greer. Of the, one Penn, of the, State, Penn State University. Yeah. Needlepoint with Rosie Greer. He looks like somebody that could that could subdue you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you you know, can picture Rosie Greer, you know, right? Yeah, you don't want him coming after he was, you, right? Wasn't he on the fearsome force? Wasn't he part yes. of that? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Rosie Boy, Greer. Boy, Sirhan, Sirhan. But he was great with Needlepoint, too. <laughs> I don't remember that. It was a gentle it? John. Oh, yeah. Really? Penn State University. Yep. Was that a Rosie commercial Greer. or something, the Needlepoint? Uh, or was that a real I thing? I think it's a real thing. And then Merlin Olson, who was also on that line, was the FTD Flowers guy. I, I do remember that. <laughs> this enormous man. Why do I remember such I things? I know, I know. I'm telling you, Rosie Greer and Needlepoint. Look it up. <laughs> All right, I, I shall. Well, while you're... Bu- are you done with that, by the yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. But it was a perfect segue. It's a perfect segue because I want to know, because you're a man of many TV shows. You like Netflix specials. <laughs> yes. You like, you, like, you like coming out. Normally, you haven't even done one today. You normally give me a recommendation of something to watch. I gave... Co- I Cocaine Cowboys last time. The new Cocaine one. Yeah. Cowboys. I have a question whether you plan to watch, starting on September the 7th, the new FX. What do they call it? I like FX. It's like FX uh, uh, suspense it- series or a mystery series or okay. something. Do you know what it is? No. September the 7th? The Monica Lewinsky story. Yeah, I saw that the woman playing Linda, was it Linda Trapp or what was her name? Trip, L- Linda Trip, Sarah Paulson. She's getting a lot of heat for it for some reason. I don't know about. But that. yes, I am interested. I'm Clive watch Owen it. is playing Bill Clinton. Edie Falco is playing Hillary Clinton. Sarah Paulson is playing Linda Trip. Yeah. And Beanie Feldstein is playing Monica Lewinsky. And by the way, she is one of the executive producers. This is the this is a mini series. That's from Monica Lewinsky. This is her story, her version. Oh, cool. Which we really, I don't know, maybe somebody would say, yes, we do know her story. This is like the first kind of reenact. This is, they, yeah. they went to her and said, we want you to produce this. Wow. We, and every single line of the script, every moment, every scene of the miniseries was okayed by her mm. before it went on. So this is her, cool. this, is the, this is the impeachment through her eyes. Wow. That story. Will you watch? Of course. It? I can't wait. And she, I told you, she's a good follow on Twitter. She's very funny, very self-effacing, and yeah. she's no, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. You're all in. I, I Tuesday, really... September seventh is the first part. I don't know how this thing works. You probably would know better than me. Do they all come out like on? No, on, no, 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 no. That's the Netflix is like the only one that, that do, do that. They drop the whole season. Yeah. yeah so no. you got to watch it week after the, week yeah, after. Yeah. Oh, for we're, God's we're, sake! We're I'm so out. over Forget that. Forget it. I'm out. Forget I mentioned it. <laughs> that's so 2012. Who's watching a show every week? I mean, come on, me. <laughs> yeah, you're still, you're yeah. still. Tuesday night, FX is suspenseful series or something. There's a, there's a, there's a name to what they do. Okay, but yeah. I think they might have done. They, they, I think they did OJ. The OJ one. Yeah, they did the OJ one with did Schwimmer as Bob Kardashian, right? Wasn't yeah, I Schwimmer? I never watched it. I didn't watch it. Oh, it was, it was okay. 
Schwimmer was Bob. Yeah, Kardashian. I just—he looks like the guy from Friends. I just—well, <laughs> he is the guy. I know, but from that was Friends. twenty years ago. Like, yeah. I, I, it's all I can look at him at. Yeah, I think he probably did okay, but I don't know. It was weird seeing the Kardashians. I'm going to watch this yeah, FX series starting September the seventh. Yeah, I don't have plenty to report on Mitch Unfiltered. You know, we, if she's going to go around and maybe plug this, we might be able to get her on. She might do it. I don't know. That'd be good. But but then you're going to get that that thing that we used to get with some guests where she doesn't want to talk about anything. But you know, I don't know. I don't know if there'll be ground rules for what we can talk about with her, Let's but it would put the request in. It would be fine. Mean, she'd probably do it. Like I said, she seems funny and like a good sport, and I think it would be a potentially good interview if, if I'm doing it. Paul Stanley caught the Delta variant. I love Paul Stanley. <laughs> you know who that is? Beth, I hear yeah. you call in. Okay, he didn't but sing But I can't that. come home right That's now. Not That's not him Peter Chris. That. Yes, it is. Thank you. Ace Freely. <laughs> it's Peter Chris. I know the whole kiss. You do. I know the whole thing. Yep. By the way, on that venue. We used to have a big fight in grade school, elementary school. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the 1970s, late 19, mid, mid to late 1970s. Okay. Wally Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. Wally Baldwin was all about Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember who the other guy was that loved Kiss. Yeah. And you were on one side or the other. You can't like you, both. No. You were on either Wally Baldwin's side <laughs> okay. or somebody else's side. It was Kiss. Good old this Wally. is like me at age eight, 1975, yeah. 76, 77. Yep, Kiss or, yep. And you were trying to hide your Barry Manilow lunchbox <laughs> so you didn't get your ass kicked by both of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul Stanley caught the Delta variant. He's fully vaccinated, but started to lose his voice Thursday and felt tired. So the band's doctor suggested he and the crew get a COVID test. Sure enough, he tested positive. Jeez. Paul Stanley had the one star over the one Correct. eye. He's called the uh, Star Child. That and, was and Ace Freely had the two stars with the bands connecting. Yeah, they're not stars really, but yeah, whatever they were. He's the space and, man. And and Peter Chris had like mouse cat. whiskers. Cat. He's whiskers. the cat man. Yes. Yes, and and. And who was that other fellow with the Simmons? tongue? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. Shannon, he's he had Shannon Tweed. He had Shannon Tweed. Yes, yeah. that was that was his role in the t- on yeah. the uh, in the band. Anyway, Gene says everyone involved is quarantining, and he's the only one that tested positive. Paul tweeted, "Hey, look, I do 26 miles a day on my bike, and I feel okay." So, still unclear how he fits his boots on the bike pedals. Me and the boys have been playing. Yeah, that's like the one song night. you know. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because they have a new drummer. But he still sings that song. Does he? Yeah, it's just coincidentally you can sing like Peter Chris. It's just kind of weird. I don't have any. What do I got? I got Tiger Woods' backup putter being auctioned off. Do you have that? You always like these types of stories. No, I want to Never understood why. I'm just Uh, interested by how the collectibles work. Yeah, well, somehow Tiger, somebody got a hold of Tiger's 2002, Tiger Woods' 2002 backup Scotty Cameron putter with a red dot on it. They they auctioned it off, and somebody paid three hundred ninety three thousand dollars for it. Really? Yeah. I would not. Is that a lot? I think so. For a backup putter. For a backup putter. What was the year? Two thousand and two. I mean, he was really good then. Yes, he was. Yeah. And he handled it, and he used it on the the putting green Hmm. before. In fact, I mean, almost four hundred G's for a. You don't. You don't. You don't. You're not freaked out by that's crazy money for a golf club that wasn't even his okay. like let me, let me, main putter let, let me make this point and i love tiger woods yeah okay and I, I love the game of golf if that person came to me and said i will sell you this putter right now yeah for ten thousand dollars yeah now would i buy it knowing that i could get 393 of course i'd, well, I'd buy it and then i'd but if he said to me no 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 yeah you got to keep it yeah yeah Okay, ten grand. It's your putter. You got to keep it. I would not even think twice about buying it. Oh, you would? No, I wouldn't buy it. Oh, you would think about, about I wouldn't, not... it? Wouldn't even, it, right. it wouldn't even occur to me to buy it. Huh? 
Now, I mean, obviously, I'm a businessman, yeah, and right. if I could then turn around and sell it, and I, that's I'd a do different that. story. Yeah, but, but yeah, I, like, just hanging it up, I, you have no. Yeah. I, I don't need Tiger Woods's <laughs> backup 2002 putter for 10 grand. Would you use it on the course to give it a shot? If I, I no, because I wouldn't buy it. I have to steal it for that. <laughs> right. Now, if the guy said, "How about a thousand dollars?" Yeah. Well, those those putters themselves probably go for. A few hundred, probably oh, okay. three, four hundred dollars for a putter like that. Yeah, two, two, three hundred dollars. So maybe I'd spend a thousand. So I don't get it. Three hundred ninety-three thousand well, to put it in your in your memorabilia collection and say this is Tiger Woods's backup to. I mean, now, and and I'm not a memorabilia guy. Now, sell the one that he won the you know the U.S. Open on a broken leg at Torrey Pines when he went eighteen holes with uh, Rocco Media. Sell that particular putter. Right now, now we're talking. Gotcha. Okay. He probably still has that putter. Yeah. And f- by the way, how they get this putter? He doesn't give up anything. Why does he have he a doesn't... backup putter too? By the way, what is that? Oh, he's got a million backup putters. Okay, so this is just one of. No, well, I guess that somebody said it's one of eight or something. I don't okay. Know. I don't know. Well, see, a lot of people like to have guests into their home and like have conversation starters. That would be a good one. But well, I need them. You know, I need <laughs> conversation starters when I have guests in my home. Well, you got to have guests we first. T- we tend to just look at each other. Yeah, I know that's the problem. I had guests the other night. We sat on the couch. I said, "Sit down. Have, take a take a load. Sit down." And then we sat down and we just stared at one another. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. All right, I thought this was a cute I'm not story. Good in that situation. No, nah, I don't like it either. All right, man takes his dog's previous owner on a date after matching with her on Tinder. Say it one more time. Man man takes his dog's previous owner on a date after matching with her on Tinder. Man takes his dog's previous owner after matching with her on Tinder. So a guy adopts a dog yeah. who had a previous home. Yeah. Loves the dog. It's this cool lab. Yeah. He's on Tinder. And, oh, I got a match with this person. She seems nice. They start talking. They go on a date. And then... He starts talking about his dog named he Onyx. He introduces his dog to her, and she says, oh, I... She goes, I used to have a black lab named Onyx. What are the chances? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, and then... Why'd she give her up? Well, give Onyx up? Great question. He actually Thank asked. Thank you. I, I ask great questions. You do from time you know, to time. You know what? I just, I am, I'm a great question. She said he was unfortunately put up for adoption in 2018 when she was like 17 years old. So, And she said, I don't think I've been so upset in my whole life. He was the best dog. So I think she, maybe she was living at home. or I thought you were going to say she had her young. <laughs> yeah, I think so she did. She said, if it was my choice, definitely would not have let him go. But now people all on, online are like, these guys have to get married now. This is just perfect. They're the perfect couple. They should get married. I thought that was a sweet story. Your turn. I'm done. People attempting to do. Oh, I got an RIP. Yeah, I got a couple. I'm sure we have the same one. Yeah. But you asked me earlier about the uh, the milk challenge, or the, the milk crate the challenge. The milk crate challenge. We talked about it on episode 155. Right. Gee, yes. People attempting to milk whatever they can out of it oh, on TikTok uh, yeah. can no longer do so. TikTok's taking all videos down of the milk I crate challenge. I told you that. I told you that. You told me they banned it? I thought you were just asking me what it is. No, I asked you what it is, and then I read the statement from, from TikTok about how oh. they, don't, they don't encourage anything that could cause bodily harm, and they, yeah. But not they encouraging the, it they is took one the thing. Tag off, they took the tag down. You can't oh, tag okay. it. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm way ahead of Did you know what it is now? Well, I, I knew what it was then. You asked me what it was. You didn't know what it was. I didn't. No, I knew what it. I knew kind of what it was. I didn't know where it started. I figured. I mean, you're always on top of these, yeah. like these. Um, yeah, the guy skateboarding with the juice and that all yeah, those people. Yeah, the, the whole pop culture thing, the yeah, whole yeah. social media thing. I I, I gather because I've seen it. They stack milk cartons like a pyramid, and then they go up to the top and they try to get down the. Am I wrong about this? Yeah. Without 
without falling it, it they, falling apart and crashing. Yeah, so they go up to the top one yeah, and then yeah. they, they go down the other side. Oh, I they see. They make like a, a full yeah. like set of And it's stairs. apparently hard to do that. Very. Yeah. And I there I saw one Why is it so hard it. to do it? Yeah, they're just very oh, I saw a couple people and, do it. Oh, you did. Yeah. They did it, they went real fast. Yeah, you have to go fast. Yeah. yeah. And you got to touch everyone. You can't just jump off and oh, say you, you did it. No, you got to touch them all. Cuz it starts to crumble and then you got to get down there in a hurry. Yes, you do. That's exactly right. So no no more milk crate challenge for anybody. Want me to do it this week? I do. For you and our listeners? Let's do it. We'll film it. I didn't say we'll film it. I'll film it. I'll have one of the kids film it. <laughs> okay, you're going to kill yourself. Please don't do it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> really? going to have to host the show. It's going to well, be a whole take thing. Take a look It'll at be... me. <laughs> you don't scream athlete and nimble, all right? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> you don't leave the house. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's one thing. RIPs. Go ahead. Ed Asner. Yeah. That's a tough one. He's just him. been around my whole life, you yeah. know? Who He's... doesn't know Ed Asner? Yeah. He was just prolific. I looked at his IMDb, 416 different... Just love him. Oh. Would you call him a character actor? I, I think that's not doing him justice. It's calling not. Him, I mean, the Mary Tyler Moore character, and people don't... Yeah, you got to be 80 years old or a Barry Manilow fan to know Mary Tyler Moore. But I don't know that anybody knows Mary Tyler Moore anymore. But he was so good on that, on that show. That show, think about the cast on that show. I know. Yeah, well, by the way, he had a spinoff. You remember his name on the show? Lou yeah, Grant. Lou Grant. Yeah. So Lou. He, yeah. Lou. Yeah. yeah. Lou Grant was a decorated series in and of itself. You, he had a, a spinoff. Yeah. So maybe that would suggest he's not a character actor if he's host able that, to carry a show. That. That staff or that that the cast. That yeah. cast. Yeah. Oh my God. There were three spinoffs from that from that cast. Is that true? Yeah. We had Rhoda. Yep. Valerie Harper played her. You had Mary Tyler Moore. You had the guy. Uh, how about uh, yeah. I don't know. It's too close for comfort. Considered a spinoff, probably. Oh not. yeah, I don't know. With, I don't with think Ted so. Ted Knight. Yeah. yeah. Ted Knight was great on that show. So good. Gavin McLeod was great on that show. Yep. Ed Asner was great on that show. He was. I mean, he might have been the best on that show. Yeah. He, he was Mary's boss, right? Yeah, he was yeah. the boss of all of them. He right. sat in the, the <laughs> you didn't you, did you watch? Yeah, you I, watch. it was a little before my time, but I've I've seen There's a, a bunch famous of scene. I've I've mentioned the famous scene a million times <laughs> where she comes in and she's auditioning for a spot or whatever. She's I think it's the it may be the first show where she comes in and tries to get a she, she's interviewing for a position on the on the TV news team. Okay, and he's he's the ever grumpy program manager who just doesn't want to be there. Right. And she's doing her little Mary Tyler Moore thing, and he turns to her in his own grumpy way, and he says, you know you know what? You've got spunk. And she starts, she's flattered by it. She says, well, you know, I got it. He said, I hate spunk. <laughs> he interrupts awesome. her, I hate spunk. That's awesome. She's like, well, you know, I got it. I hate spunk. <laughs> That's good. Uh, he was also, did you 91 see 91 years old. Yeah, 91. He was also the voice of the old man in that uh, animated movie called Up. No, yeah, I, I saw that, but I I, I okay. saw that he was that, but I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember the movie? No. Oh, he's, uh, is he's, that where the balloons go? Everything goes up, the balloons go up, that, the house goes well, up. Oh, yeah, they. they Am I thinking of the right one? Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah, they they tie enough balloons to the house. To yes, get it, because some construction company wants him to sell. He just says, "Forget it. I'm just I'm leaving." His wife passed away, and he takes off, and a little kid stows away with him, unbeknownst to him. But he's the same grumpy. He looks like Ed Asner. The character oh. looks like Ed Asner. So maybe he's a character actor. I guess that's what he is. Because he he kind of played the same role and everything that he did I, I guess yeah a grumpy the curmudgeon grumpy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then he had his own TV series like I said and he was he carried it he won 13 daytime Emmys for it so did he maybe he's more than a character okay. actor anyway I hope so legend total total legend yeah. and I have another quick one you won't know Ron Bushy he was the drummer no. for Iron Butterfly no. so Iron Butterfly had a lot of different iterations of their band but he's the only one that's on all six albums he was the drummer for that I don't band. even know who Iron Butterfly is 
and I got a DeVita, baby. You know that song? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. That, that's one. But he's known for his iconic drum solo in that song from 1968. So he's survived by his wife, Nancy, three daughters, and How six old? grandchildren. Ron was 79 years okay. old. All right. All right. You want me to do any more? Well, maybe you should tell people to turn it off now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, Especially if the one guy. Again, though, this isn't like coming from my head. I, these are new. I'm, I'm, I'm just a newsman. Yeah, I think I should probably read this to you. Um, could do without the potty humor at the end, though. <laughs> I get enough at home with two young children, so I skip it. Much harder for a comedian to keep it clean, but the best ones can. Maybe Scott could give that a try. I'm just reading news stories. I'm Dan Rather. I'm a news person. You go. Do you find Jerry Seinfeld clever? Or do you find him like? Do you think he's a comedic, a comedic genius? Where, where, where are you on the Jerry? I'm not talking about the show. Yeah, I'm talking about I, his. I've seen his, him live. You have. Oh yeah. What would you? How would you rate him? He's hilarious. Okay, hilarious. Yeah, but I, I remember him. Uh, do you want to get into this? Are we all just cool with him dating a 17 year old at one point? Like, no, I, no, but that's not what it's, we're not but, talking it, about. His personal. But that, that, we're talking Shoshana Lonstein, Rebecca Shoshana Lonstein. But that sort of affects how I look at him. Yes, yeah. I think he's very funny. I've seen his stand up. I'm, I'm just stand-up. asking yes. based on what this guy wrote. You've seen a stand up. He is did his, 20 minutes on sitting. Okay. And I was dying. Okay. Yeah. Would you say he is one of the greats you've ever seen on stage? Yeah, he's up there. Sure. Okay. He doesn't say a curse word. I know. He doesn't say one thing that's objectionable. He's not even forget P, forget R rated. He's not even PG thirteen. He does dry cleaning. It's about dry. Yeah. It's, it's, I told you he did twenty minutes on sitting in a chair. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's t- what do you mean? What are you giving me the look for? You're telling me now it's not brilliant. You just got finished telling me he's hilarious. Well, it's not because he's, he, he, he's, he's either brilliant or he's not. He's very he? good, but it's not because he doesn't. Sw- it's not because he doesn't swear. I mean. He's good. Yeah, I'm he's not br- saying he's good because he doesn't swear. I'm saying that he's able to be a brilliant stand-up comic. Yeah. With do G-rated, your your five-year-old could go. That's pretty clever. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is. takes hard work. It's probably tougher to do. But like yeah. like like the great Eminem said, "F him and F you too." <laughs> a, a woman has opened up about her bizarre side hustle that has brought in tens of thousands of dollars for. Her. Well, while, while most of us pass gas many times a day, we usually oh, just geez. we're passing gas. A lady not named Lush Botanist said there was money to be made in her flatulence. The pro farter explained on a Channel 4 documentary that she was contacted by someone on the internet asking for her to let it rip on camera. They really wanted to see this. Yes. It ended up being one of her most popular videos, and then a different person offered her money to do it. She said, I've been doing this business for three years. I keep getting requests over and over. I thought, you know what, people? People will pay me for this, and I'm going to do it. Now, it, it isn't. What is it, that, what is it that she does that makes it so exceptional? What am I missing? People just like when she does it. I, I don't know what it is. but she's, Is it the sound? Can she do, does she do imitations? Well, I mean, what, well, what is exactly the difference between, let's say, her flatulence yeah. and somebody else's? Well, I'll, I'll, maybe this will give you a little insight. Okay. All right. She's lactose intolerant. Oh, that's about it. Yeah. Which means her stomach has many meltdowns when she eats anything that contains dairy. Ooh. So in order to get her stomach brewing, Miss Botanist said she likes to eat a variety of cheeses beforehand. <laughs> She said Parmesan. Okay, I'm not going to read that. Okay. Mozzarella creates those big bubbly okay. ones. Yeah. The self-described. She can charge up to $175 per breaking of wind. And the most oh. amount of money she's made in a single day was close to four grand. Who would pay but, her $175? The guy that paid $393,000 for, for Tiger Woods exactly, Club? Exactly. That's exactly who would. All up, she reckons she's made about $25,000 from her oh fart videos. 
Yeah. She uses Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit to post her videos throughout the week in hope of attracting more customers. And she said the strangest request she ever got was to fart on a miniature figurine from a model train set. Ultimately, she credits her success success to actually enjoying the process because she feels her customers get a kick out of her having fun. They like seeing her have fun. Who knew there was a market for this, huh? I figured that you, you were, it's just a matter of time before you say, and we sit here and do this for Cocta podcast. <laughs> true. I didn't even think about it. That's true. Well, I was just going to say another missed opportunity for my 330 pound dad. <laughs> that guy would have been Jeff Bezos if he would have been able to sell back in the day. All right. Far be it for me to tell anyone how to live their life, but I don't think this is what's meant by the phrase, happiness comes from within. No matter where you stand on the issue, I think we can all agree that we'd have no trouble wearing a mask in her house. And finally, I'd like to tell this woman that blowing hot air into a microphone for money in hopes of entertaining people while annoying everyone in the house isn't original. Uh, Hasn't she heard of Mitch Unfiltered? (laughs) (laughs) You've been doing it for years. (laughs) See that, but... The, the jokes weren't like dirty, dirty. I mean, wear a mask. The story and... is dirty. Okay, but that's, I didn't the, make it up. The jokes, are, no, you didn't. Right. It's, but you're pointing it out. You picked it. It's what I do. I, I point out stories that might be, somebody might have a chuckle, I hope. Much harder for a comedian to keep it clean, <laughs> but the best ones can. I kept Maybe it clean. Maybe Scott could give it a try. I kept it clean. I, I kept it clean two weeks ago or like a couple shows ago. Remember? And you all didn't right. laugh at all. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who Patreon- says I didn't laugh? I don't, I don't remember you laughing very okay. much. And I always remember and I cry on the way home. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to David Lee Roth if you're a patron. Yes. Yeah, if you haven't yet. Again, rave reviews. Thank you. I have not heard it. I've not heard the first minute of it yet. Okay. But I will. You will. When is the part two? When is the second half coming out? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would say probably within the next couple of weeks if I had to guess. Okay. If that so this is the first half of, of David Lee Roth's your David Lee Roth look back. Yes, my little bag. Where is he today, music. by the way? He was in Van Halen until Eddie passed away. I mean, they, they, this is like... You but, don't ever see him, though, anymore. Well, you? You, you, where would you see What's him? He, I don't know. <laughs> MTV? I mean, Maybe do a, six, do a movie or something? He's 68. Years, he tried. Oh, he, that's why part of the reason he left Van Halen. He wanted to do movies so badly. And this batshit script came out that he wrote. It's yeah. been released online. It was absolutely cocaine-fueled insanity in 1985. You can yeah. go read it if you want. Yeah. But no, they, they had a plan, uh, a tour called the Kitchen Sink Tour, which would have been the greatest thing of all time. So their bass player hasn't been with them for eight, nine years. Eddie put his son in the band mm-hmm. at 16 to play bass because no. he's that good. Yeah. Um, so it, it would have been the, the four originals. Michael Anthony back on bass and Sammy Hagar would have come. So you'd have two lead singers alternating songs with the other three originals called the kitchen sink tour. Oh, would have been awesome. Yeah. And then Eddie got his cancer kicked in and he just couldn't do it. And then ended up passing away last year. So yeah, he would have, he was still in Van Halen. He took a big break that, you know, they've always kind of hated Dave. Really? Well, he tried out for the band three times and they they like booted him out. They, They just, they couldn't stand him. They hated his personality. They thought he couldn't sing. One of the tryouts, literally, Alex Van Halen hits a key on a piano and goes, sing this note, hits the key, and Dave couldn't do it. And he goes, get out of here. No, you're out. You're not going to be in the band. So, so what changed? Well, they had a crappy PA. They kept breaking down. Van Halen's PA kept breaking down. Yeah. Eddie was the lead singer, and he hated singing. He was blowing his throat out. He just wanted to play guitar. Right. And they would have to rent Dave's PA because his was nicer. They're paying him 35 bucks to rent it, but they get 50 for the night. So it was cheaper to just put him in the effing band, right? So they put him in the band. That's really how he got the job. And how did that work out for him? 
Yeah, it worked out okay, didn't it? Did Eddie do all right with Dave in the band? Yeah, and I think Dave did all right hooking up with Eddie, too. Like, I think both of them would never, well, I, they both needed each other, and they probably would never admit it. But, yeah, it, it worked out okay putting Dave in the band. So the first half of your David Lee Roth show podcast yep. for the patrons is available now. It is, yes. In the next few weeks, you'll come back with a sec. This is the first ever figure that you've done that you've needed two shows to do. Yeah, I knew I, was, I bit off a lot on this really? one. Yeah. I think part of it, too, is that I've done some pretty big, big performers. That's true. Yeah, that, and he was and it only, never dawned on you to do two shows. This one is the first one. David Lee Roth. Well, he, he here, warrants two one-hour podcasts. Here's the problem: is that Van Halen wasn't a chart-busting band for the first five albums. Like they they had four top forty hits in the first five albums. Three of them were covers. All right, so I, I can't skip over that first album, which I think is perfect. But like one, you know, a couple songs charted. It does. Like, Stairway to Heaven didn't chart, but I couldn't do a Robert Plant podcast and not talk about Stairway to Heaven, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I literally did a little bit from every song on the first album. So People it's, love it. it's adding up. People on Twitter Well, thank it. you. That's very it. nice. And on, on Patreon. All right, that's Good. it. Episode 156, ladies and gentlemen, the books.